Okay then folks, so this is episode 142 of Dudes and a Monkey. Um, it's going to be split into two parts. Uh, the first part is going to be some uh, like fairly general kind of conversation and tangents and whatnot, but we do also look at um, the Hateful Eight uh, in there as well. I think it's about, I think it's over two hours worth of uh, content. Um, it was recorded in, uh, like, mainly in pubs and stuff. Um, so you can hear us fine, but there is background noise. Um, there's not much I can do about that, to be honest. So if it does annoy you, uh, maybe skip this one. Um, I'm going to be putting up the second part of this episode um, later in the week. Uh, that's going to be primarily me and uh, Mark doing our year in review, essentially. So top 10s, bottom 10s, top 5 surprises, top 5 disappointments, and uh, whatnot as well. So uh, it's quite a lot of content this week. Um, and yeah, so without further ado, here we go. Right, so uh, we are here with Andrew Jones at Ethan Run on uh, Twitter, and um, writer, film writer person of some notoriousness. Notorious. Notoriety. Ooh, that's a word. Notoriety. You're good at writing. A word. I'm doing well with notoriety. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. How's your How's your film year been? Well, that, it, since it's just started, I. Come on, 2015. Oh, 2015. That's that's a better year. Yeah, how was the last week of... Yeah, exactly. Movie. I've seen films this week, so that kind of counts. The, the 2015's been a good year. I, is it is it wrong to say? I think, as someone who hates films, apparently, I love 2015 as cinema. You, you are my favourite contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Armand White of the uh, London film Twitter. But I, I don't do it for the sake of Armand White's attempts to get published notice. notice. I just like to have opinions. Yeah, well, well is... no, that's fair enough. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, like, go on then, what are some of your like, low lights that you think oh, would these people are? I don't like Star Wars. Right, so you know, a charity question for Bill Mitchell, what's the talk? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Anything, pennies, coppers, silver, uh, any currency? Uh, Street? I'm alright, yeah, I'm good, thanks mate. Yeah, nice one. We've all, we've all donated money to Great Ormond Street, fantastic. <laughs> so you, we are charitable people. Yeah, we are, we are. Love it. Um, so you don't like Star Wars? I didn't like Star Wars, yeah. no. Like, just didn't like it, or...? I, I found... What everyone said was fun, I thought was boring. Are you a fan of the, the series as a whole, or is it something that should not particularly to your taste anyway? I'm not, <laughs> this is I'm not as much a fan of the original trilogy as I am the prequel trilogy. Don't hit me. I can feel like there's going to be a tension here immediately. I know. I, I, I saw... What was the second one? Uh, Attack, Attack of the Clones. That's a terrible I hated movie. that in the cinema as a child. When I watched it back, I kind of really got what it was doing and I enjoyed that. What was it? Was it was just making an interesting drama as opposed to a science fiction thriller. And I thought, oh... I'm sure you get this a lot, but I hate sand. Yeah, no, that's terrible. (laughs) That is terrible. There is no denying that. But there's an enjoyability to that terribleness. The kind of uh, shitty dialogue that makes something fun as well. You know, you can can hate and love The Room. You can hate and love A New York Winter's Tale. You can appreciate how bad something is and still kind of find a genuine affection for it. 
okay. have Attack of the Clones. Alright, that's fair enough then. Okay, fair enough. So it's the fact that The Force Awakens actually tries to be good that you don't like. No, not as much as it tries to be a new hope, just told by a hyperactive five-year-old. Yeah, all right. Uh, that's a fa- that's, that is a fair comment. It is, because it is, it essentially, it is, to, it is a greatest hits of Star Wars thrown yeah. together, um, but with the outcome that it's better, or will make it bigger. It, 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 it's, 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 it's the simplicity of that. However, I, I don't share this opinion uh, of J.J. Abrams that he has ultimate respect for his audience. I think he has an amount of respect for how much he can get an audience to like a movie by doing what he thinks people will like. Because that's, that's not a problem, because he's always been coming on on time, on budget, on bank, and people enjoy his movies. So there is he, he, he's, he's doing what he, what he does well. But Because Sense Force Awakens, there does seem to be a bit of a critical movement saying, well, actually, maybe George Lucas should be appreciated because he actually was trying to do something different. Yeah. Like compared to The Force Awakens. But it's just the fact that the that in the end of the day how well that different it d- was wasn't that. very good for a lot of people. It depends on how you think it is something different. It's like it's like saying if I don't know X band wanted to do something different, let's say Name a band, name. Name a band, name any band. Your favourite band. Like, not my favourite band, but... Monfrey and Sundry's favourite band. No, no, no. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so let's say Monfrey and Sundry's got a new album, right? And what's no, this? You heard that, he just said that just as I was saying. Wanted to do something different, right? <laughs> Now let's say so we want to do something. We, we want to do something different, and so like like their new album where they actually like picked up electric guitars and what. Oh, burn them! So, and, and then it's yeah. yeah and so it, it, let's say let's say what they did was they lined up a bunch of instruments uh, and threw sandwiches at them and recorded that. It's different. It, it's not going to be crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you can you can try and be different for different sake, but if you've not got a story or a tangible story, or it's going to be good, or you've got an idea, or your idea makes sense, it's still going to be shit. Okay. Well, I mean, get, getting away from Star Wars, then, because people are talking Star Wars to death. Yeah. I'm sure you don't need people att- like attacking you about it. But to be fair, I think there's more people of your persuasion in that than there were on opening weekend. Yeah. Like, it does seem like people are kind of after the haze are acknowledging, hang on a second, yeah, what about X, Y, and Z? You mean like what happened with Crystal Skull where three months later everyone went, wait a second, this is shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at least for a while they actually enjoyed it. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, no, I remember, God, when I, that was when I was still working at the, uh, the, the cinema and we had a test run of uh, Crystal Skull, like a midnight show. And after it, it was just silence and people just walked out and like it, it, it was amazing I've never seen anything like it just the, the buzz in the room completely evaporated over the course of that run time and, and, but oh man anyway what about um, high, high points then like instead of uh, just going after your contrarian reputation yeah. uh, 2015 had two of those not just great of a year films but great of all time films with Whiplash and Mad Max boom I think you can't say better for a year than to have two astonishing pieces of cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Whiplash was, I counted it as my favourite film of last year. Right. Um, and do you know what? I've only watched it once. I'm slightly afraid to go back to it. Don't be. I, I, Don't. I, I, I've been the same, though. I, I've been the same. I've been a little bit. I've, been, I've wanted to go back to it, but then I've gone, oh my god, what, what if what if, it, what if it was good? I, I saw it in a public screening after, after it opens. Danger because of people who are terrible. And there were people on their phones the entire film until the last 15 minutes when even everyone who was talking about throughout the film didn't pay attention stopped everything focused on the film and applauded at the end yeah, yeah. and this was what Thursday afternoon when no one should That's be giving a shit yeah. they applauded they applauded it holds up 
No, I, 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 like that, that film was just, it's one of the most visceral last 15 minutes you'll you'll ever see yeah. and just like the way it build, builds up to that as well like him getting that car wreck and, oh no actually that's uh, before and then it's um, him meeting with uh, Kate Simmons in that, that, in that like, jazz car yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, oh that's right and then he, he kind of employs him that's right <laughs> but just the whole kind of the, the, the energy that it brings is just I mean yeah this rules the word and all it is is a guy running yeah. yeah you know but like the most insane like emotional drumming you've ever seen in your life you know but I mean like and then you get something like Mad Max which is like, it's got emotional drumming as well yes and that has my favourite moment cinematic moment of 2015 where when I mean just favourite in terms of how much I personally love it but it's probably not the best well it's not the best moment but where um, they see Max and the convoy kind of heading back and they're all like asleep yeah. and then the, the guitar dude in his um, in his pyjamas just gets up just starts rock, like, rocking <laughs> out straight away it's oh, yeah. like it's almost like he opens his eyes and like flings himself forward in one continuous <laughs> flowing movement it's amazing <laughs> But no, I mean, I don't know, it's just like Mad Max, it, it, it's just that film that is just as good and just hasn't faded at yeah. all. You know, like I was saying with Star Wars, it seems like one where it, it does, it does the spell, it's actually it's a fade sort of yeah. Whereas Mad Max, it doesn't, it's just, it's still absolutely bloody incredible. And yeah. it's, but George Miller might well win Best Director at the Oscars. That'd be so fucking cool. I, I think I think he might. I, I think he's going to do it. I think he'll get a norm. I don't think he'll win. If if Inaritu didn't win last year, I agree. There is that. <laughs> but because he won last year, and because it's George Miller who's like a legend. I think he's going to, it, it depends, like, because George Miller, bit inside baseball, but apparently is, like, playing, like, ball with, like, going to all, like, the events. That's yeah, it is. Right. Whereas, like, Ridley Scott is Ridley Scott. Sure. And, like, he's very much respected, but it's, like, the people actually really like him all that much. Ridley Scott, you know, Ridley Scott, 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 I, I, I genuinely don't think he but no, he if, if, in his mind he goes down he thinks right now I am one of the greats of all time yeah. without without question they just need an Oscar to kind of sort of to portray that because he'll turn around if anyone ever says we didn't want an Oscar he'll go alien blade runner and he'll just start listing Match up his listing up his but he would do he probably would list that it's actually actually Men one of his one of his better films the guy like Black Rain, so. Black Rain. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like the tangent I mean, like, who else is actually there for the director in the Oscar? Well, Inner like, 2 will, will get one. Um, George Spiel- will get one. Spielberg? Like, Spielberg? Like, the back maybe. Like, I was surprised. Maybe. Tom maybe. Hooper might be as well, because they do like a bit of Hooper. Yeah, do you that like face Ian just bought. I haven't even seen the Danish girl. I haven't girl. seen the Danish girl. And I like Les Mis. Oh, really? So, yeah. The thing so is, I, I, I just Tom Hooper is I Tom Hooper. I enjoyed Les Mis, <laughs> but I honestly couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know if I could ever watch it again. The, the sheer thought of me watching it again is actually making me a little bit tired. <laughs> um, and the King, the King speech for the TV movie, it really was. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. I mean, that, that, the fact that that one, didn't that win Best Cinematography? Yeah. <laughs> 
It looks like it was shot in a goldfish pond. It does. It's, 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 I, I, I haven't seen the Danish girl, um, but, but I, again, again, part of that is because I don't quite hate myself with that much. I'm gonna watch the Danish girl. I will watch out it of sheer obligation. I will watch Jesus. it, and, and if it's good, I will happily admit it. I, but it's, I, I, it's directed I, by director Katz, and it's got Eddie Raybans in it, and I, he's just not very good. I, I will watch. I, I will watch every film nominated for Best Picture. Oh. I, I watch The Blind Side because of that, so I will watch every film nominated for Best. Picture. I enjoyed the blind side in a, in a way when I watched it and just thought, what's going on? Why did anybody halfway through make this movie go? Sandra Bullock saying the big black man. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's almost a parody. That is. I like to believe it's him who is teaching us. It, it, it's 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 actually a line. That is one of the fucking yeah. lines yeah. that film. At that point in the cinema, I smashed my head against the wall. It, all that is though, it, 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 it's a fun tune. The Blind Side, fun tune, one way, and it's a comedy. And it, it, it literally is, is that that literal, just little tweak to one side, and it becomes a comedy, and that's it. And it's ridiculous. Was it the year that she won the Oscar for The Blind Side and the Razzie for All About Steve? Yeah. Yeah. What about Steve's a better movie than The Blind Side? <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, All About Steve, where she wrote crossword puzzles. Oh, that's, that's and right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Wait a she wrote crossword puzzles. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't think writing crossword puzzles makes that much money that it makes out in that movie that she's making. I don't know. You've got to be... That's quite a specialist skill. It's quite a specialist skill. I guarantee you don't pay that much. Does it syndicate across the uh, nation papers? Or is no, it, just it, was, it was just a little paper. Oh, did well, did, did you see her pay slip in the film? How do you know she was paid to? What? Because it's referenced. Oh, it's actually yeah. referenced? Referenced in the movie. I'm really well paid. No, the, 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 she's got all this money she wants to do with it. Really? That's actually the point. I need to watch it with that. Is it Bradley Cooper? Yeah. Bradley Cooper. I think he's... Steve. Uh, I think he's Steve, yeah. Oh, okay. Because that was just before he became Bradley Cooper, yeah. yeah. Like, it was the same year as The Hangover. It's the same year as The Hangover, but yeah. filmed about a year and a half before. Yeah, okay. And it's got to use the bathroom. Yeah, because he's to battle those stairs. Uh, yeah, that's gravity. Yeah. I'm very, very worried about needing a pee during the heat tonight. We're good. Well, the to go for. Yeah. I, the queue for the toilet during the intermission is probably going to be pretty high. Yeah. Because it's like a 12 minute intermission, isn't it? Something like that. But like, it comes in about two hours into the film by the looks of it. About two else. hours in? Yeah. Okay, so it's like a good chunk in before it actually starts. Yeah. That's yeah, going to be interesting. We were, we were talking before we started recording that on. This is obviously pre April 8, we're about half an hour away from it. That it looks like there's been some sound problems during the 70mm presentation. I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned. But. I'm a little worried that people might go a bit overboard as well, like if there's the slightest problem. How dare they? This is the perfect screening. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and it's like as long as long as it looks alright and I can hear it, I think I'm gonna be alright. If you can make out about ninety percent of the dialogue should be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know, what how are you anticipating this? Like, what is your I I'm seeing it out of obligation to Tarantino. Now after Django I kind of lost all I was deflated because it felt like uh, post Sally Menke maybe Tarantino might lose his edge because he's got no one to whip him into shape I know that might seem inappropriate to say during talking about Django just realised that fuck yeah I know um, you didn't mean it yeah. <laughs> um, but perhaps now he's got his new editor who is now two films in maybe 
he might be a bit better, or he might be fully Tarantino to the point where he's obnoxious. Well, it's, that's interesting, I mean, because obviously Django was longer than Bastards, yeah. and Hate Flight is longer than Django again. Yeah. So, yeah, is it, is it getting to that point where maybe the indulgence... It's like, is it getting to like peak indulgence again, where like it kind of bubbled up and climaxed with Death Proof, and then kind of subsided because of how badly Death Proof did. Yeah. So, you know, Tarantino's not one ever lacking in confidence, but it feels like Bastards was him actually pushing himself. And I suppose there, that is the question about is the hateful eight actually going to be Tarantino pushing himself, or is it he wants to tell this story and the seventy millimeter thing is the big thing for him more than the actual story he's telling? Right. Because that's the thing. All the discourse about hateful eight. I've, I've read so far it's basically been about the presentation yeah. it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people actually talking about the film and I wonder if that's a sign that maybe there's not as much to get your teeth into it's more of a superficial experience yeah, yeah. Okay. but one that's three hours long because <laughs> that's, 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 that's the worry but and, uh, Tarantino, you know, he's gone for a. He said the interesting thing about shooting it, the way he's shooting it, is it's it's a smaller picture in a bigger way. And, you know, the fact that he's he, he, he said somewhere that, he, that it's this is his sort of retelling of the thing. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Neat. Look at this. There's supposed, yeah, there's supposed, there's supposed to be some thingy atmosphere. Yeah. The Morricone scores apparently heavily yeah. the thing. Yeah. And that was barely a score. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, but. so yeah. So nah, I don't I don't really worry that much for Tarantino. So usually I, I, I've not disliked anything any of the seven yet. So. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not worried. It's just the, the reaction to it does seem to have been more muted. Yeah. And that, I don't know. That is that it's is peculiar for Tarantino to have not much written about the the work. Yeah, yeah. The, the scripts crackling. You don't hear much about that. No. A little bit about Walton Goggins, but not much about all the other characters. Go- Goggins, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, oh yeah, Jennifer. You know, but yeah, Goggins seems to be the one, yeah. which is interesting because you've got Kurt Russell and Samuel L. Jackson in there. But good on what, good on Walton Goggins. Yeah, you know, he's always like, great. Yeah, yeah, yes, right, yeah. That dude is, yeah, that dude's great. He was great. Wasn't he in Predators? Yes, yes yeah, he was. He was good in Predators. He's, he's not good in Predators, anything he did. Even in his, the second G.I. Joe movie, I believe. I think he might have been. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> I, I get him and Shea Wiggum confused. Yeah. The, the, um, he's in the, he's in the Fast films. He's in Fast and Furious and Fast Six. He's the guy who's his nose broken by Paul Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. Like the, the kind of like the government guy, like the DEA guy. Or right. He's yeah. he, he, also his best role was when he was in Part of Call New Orleans, and he walks backwards out of that room just going, yeah, yeah. Just over and over again. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm thinking about unjustified, uh, uh, yeah. and I can't remember whether it's Walton Goggins or Shea Wiggum or both in that. Certainly, Walton is very much the co-lead by the yeah, yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the wrong in Justified. Yeah, I, I the wrong turned writer. I watched two episodes of Justified, which for me with TV is quite a commitment. Right. Let me tell you. <laughs> now, let me tell you. By episode 13, Walton Goggins is doing some crazy fun shit. Yeah. I, so if you ever get time in the next couple of years to I, watch, the thing is, the only way. And this is Ian butting in. Um, 
I then go on to say something which was rather dark, and uh, I don't want to actually uh, put it on here. So uh, suffice it to say, I will never have the time to watch Justified. And now, The Hateful Eight and Tangents, and someone else basically railroading the show. Enjoy. So, um, oh, well, right, thank you, Brad. So, uh, Mark's gone missing. He's dead, we think. He went out to take a phone call and he's gone, but Andrew's still here. I am still here. So and there are a lot of, like, massage parlors and tie boy dens around. That would yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, leaving by the way. Yeah. Sorry? I'm Sorry, leaving by the way. I've got to go. I've got, I've got an appointment, you know? Tie boy appointment. Yep. So, uh, Brad's also here. <laughs> Say hi, Brad. Have you ever been on the show before? I haven't done anything since the sleep. Bloody hell. Yeah. Well, say hi. Hello. This is Brad. At hi. At Mr. Bontacode on uh, Twitter. He's a short filmmaker and uh, used to write for uh, East English Film. He used to work with me in New Cinemas back in the day. And uh, you're currently... What are you currently doing? Are you working on anything? Yeah, I'm still on um, another Freeze film, so we finish, I finish in a month, it's been on it right here. Oh, what's it about? It's called Florence Foster Jenkins and Meryl Streep, the terrible, terrible opera singer. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Bloody hell, what's Meryl Streep like? Okay, fair enough. Um, so, Great. Brad specifically wanted to bitch about people bitching about Cineworld. Do you want to? Do you want to explain, Brad? I don't know, I'm not so good at just doing... Give me a question and I'll respond Say. to it. I'm, well, I, 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 just, I, just don't, I just gave him a question. No, but I can't talk to an iPad. Right. Be specific. Well, no, you're talking to us. We're all friends here. Me, it's me, a comfortable hello. space. Right, what so, do you have to say about Cineworld? So, basically... Yeah, I mean, all right, so Cineworld. People were they're, they're bitching about Cineworld for another reason why they were bitching about Cineworld. Uh, we've, start, we've started without you, Marks, before you were dead or uh, went to a massage parlor. Getting close. Well, both. Getting close. I don't know if that's the right drink for you, but you can have it anyway. What is it? IPA. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. So Cineworld. Uh, this week they decided not to show the Hateful Eight because it was basically because they kicked off because Odeon had the seventy millimeter, even though that had been known about for months. Yeah, they. Although they had the gentleman's agreement between all the chains centrally, it was perceived as a slight because they didn't get a choice. There was no, they couldn't bid who gets hate for late. So, entertainment, the distributor just. Yeah, and the point of print, they were saying it's event cinema, it doesn't really count, so we want to show it. Uh, but right. the Odin thing was for a two week exclusivity. Even though this, this road show appears to be. In the US, it's a road show. In the UK, it's. It's playing on one screen in the UK. Well, I think I think the other cinemas just thought they were going to be okay with showing it because it was a separate thing. And unlike the Master, which had a two-week exclusivity and then nationwide two weeks later, this yeah. is nationwide. Yeah. And they're like, well, we want to show it in our West End cinema. So it's not. I mean, and then I mean, I kind of see their point. And I guarantee you, it'll be showing there by next Friday or the Friday afterwards. They sort their shit out. Well, it was last minute, wasn't it? They only actually decided like. Remember, remember when we worked at was View? It Tuesday? I think it was about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember when we worked at View and we suddenly worked on Alice in Wonderland and pulled all the trailers and posters because of the 17 week release window? They sort this shit out. Yeah. And they will sort it out. Well, I was saying to Ian from Freak of People, I know at Picture House, they, they have been told that. You know, tell customers, oh, it's not showing here yet. Yeah, because it will be. Not, sort of it's, it, 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 it's not. But it's good publicity in a bizarre way. They'll get out of their two-week exclusivity and then all get to show it. And then... 
But this leads to a, a kind of a wider issue where this happened and then people were hammering Cinewell on Twitter and unlimited customers were saying like... Let me see if I can find some good examples. Oh yeah, do it, yeah, okay. And then like they're cancelling, they're going to cancel their cards and how dare Cinewell not show something. And this isn't the first time this shit happened. It's also the whole allocated seating department. When allocated seating, when they put their prices up by 30 pence, when they when they were the Picture House Central and after four months of letting you use it for free with your Cineworld card said it's going to cost you a fiver as yep. opposed to 17 pounds that was too much for some people well, no, and a lot of the and the problem with that was a lot of the um, other Picture House cinemas were saying you know we're having people coming in with Cineworld cards saying yeah. well, well the one in London accepts it and they were like well uh, well here we go so I'm just going to pick some at random Stu Roberts at Mr. Roberts 84 know the hateful eight of Cineworld planning on reimbursing the unlimited members who now have to pay somewhere else didn't think so uh, what about but what about that? my my thing on that what about all the bloody films that Cineworld don't show they're like art house films that Cineworld don't show they're very limited yeah. releases yeah but then again also well what are the films I mean it's not like you can't go yeah. At, at Mr. G, no, at Mr. Underscore G Underscore Smart, you might want to give this guy shit. So, as an unlimited card holder, is Cineworld going to pay for me to watch it another cinema? Grow up, hatefully. That's a great Can't believe I'm paying to see the hateful eight. Says at Daniel J K S N. I have a I have a Cineworld card. They threw a hissy fit over an exclusive deal with Odeon. That's the thing, right? It's like, through the hissy fit. I pay for my limited card, says... In fa- no, in oh, fairness, it is a hissy bit, but it's the reaction, the reaction of, of people to the hissy bit. Oh, yeah, let's just go for three more. Come and join us. At Susie Stockpot, that's Susie, S-U-Z-I, Stockpot, as Stockpot. <laughs> uh, Cineworld, I pay for my unlimited card, expect to see films I choose, not ones you decide not to. Grammar. Very disappointing, we hate for late. Um... The amazing thing that comment there is, no, no Susie Stockpot, you do only see the films that Cineworld choose to show, because it's a Cineworld oh, card. I want two more. I like this one from at Brian Scott 1980 I was excited for January, but it's ruined by hateful eight bullshit. Silence by Cineworld shows contempt for unlimited customers. What about all the other customers of Cineworld? And also, what about... Anything else that could happen in January. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love film more than life itself, but it is just a film. If your January is literally that film, then my God, your January is... I want to find one more. You I would say as well, another example of Pissy Fits at Cineworld, the fuss that people made at the unlimited screening last month in the heart of the sea, where people swore down it was going to be Star Wars, despite the fact, in their unlimited newsletter, in their newsletter, they said, it is not in a galaxy far, far away. Don't get me fucking started with people cancelling over three films before they come out. It just... It's the entitlement, yeah, it's entitlement of some yeah. people. Oh, at Cineworld, why are you not showing Hateful Eight? What's the point of my unlimited card if I can't watch the biggest movie of the year? 
well, it's only January. Yeah, yeah. that's hyper. I mean, we all know Batman vs Superman is, 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 you know, it's not worth it. But there's some other shit coming out. There's a new Scorsese. You're going to cancel over that? They probably won't show it though because a lot of it's not in English. Yeah, that's true. Japanese. Yeah. yeah. So the, the only real problem regarding SeaWorld is that this week there was one film coming yeah. out. Yeah. And it was advertised nationwide. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. It sucks. But the bigger point, and this is a frequent thing with Cineworld customers, is cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. Cineworld don't have to do anything. They don't owe you anything. Uh, I, I'm reliably informed they lose money on every Cineworld member's tickets. But, you know... I have used mine. So. I have used mine. I see two, sometimes three films a week. Admittedly, some people might only get to a couple a month. That only just justifies it. Yeah. But one film. I mean, you're telling me if you're going to cancel your card, you can't see the hateful eight, and you're not going to see these aren't going to be for everyone. But you've got Danish Girl, Joy, Revenant, Creed, Room, Big Short, um, Daddy. No, what's Dirty Grandpa? Dirty Grandpa. Um, Spotlight. Yeah. Uh, and there's one other. Big but it's like there's something for a lot of people yeah, and there's other shit as well that yeah. I'm ignoring they're just the films that are like but and Dirty Grandma Aubrey Plaza but you know it's like it's fucking ridiculous and it's petty and it's anyone I believe that Cineworld should take away the unlimited card from anyone that flags them off for it on Twitter I genuinely believe so because it's a right not a privilege it's, it, it, it's, it's something that you it's a privilege, not a right. Yeah, sorry, that's yeah. right. It's a privilege, not a right. If you sign up for, essentially, you don't... It's not to... You say, I'm going to give you this amount of money, and I will get to go and see as many films as I want at Cineworld. I not, saved something like £800 last year Yeah, Cineworld. It's... But... Yes, if they are showing it, don't start... No, I see shit I wouldn't have seen anyway. But... morning. Well, the way I look at it is... If I had a Cineworld that was... Let's say... That was half an hour drive from it. Not that very far. I wouldn't have an unlimited car. Because... I wouldn't be able to just go if on a Tuesday night I went... Tuesday night free. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Because I don't get, I don't get my Tuesday night free. If they open the city world around the corner from me, it's ten minutes around the corner from me. I'd get one because I'd be going to have a Whatever city world choose to do, if it pisses you off, it doesn't matter because you're saving so much money. Exactly. It's just. It drives me fucking insane. It's, it's, it's absolutely. And admittedly, I do sit there trolling everyone. It's the entitlement, though, isn't it? No, does it? But it's like. Fine, tweet them and go, oh, that really sucks. I'm really disappointed. Hope you sort it out soon because I love being an unlimited customer. Thank you for all you do do for us. That's fine. But ask them to pay for your ticket to go and see the hit play. I'm pretty certain that Cineworlder is pissed off, if not more so, about it than you are. Well, they want to make money. No, no, they, they would be. Well, they're, they're it's not off. in their interest. We can from working in that's why, management. That's why they would be pissed off. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're pissed off. They're pissed off and they're making a point. And I'm not saying that EDF were at fault. I'm not saying that Odin are at fault. It, it seems to me like there's a lot of dick swinging going on and some misunderstandings over this gentleman's agreement in town. City world of, 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 of essentially, of, it seems like, turn round to him and gone, well, I'll tell you what, we're not going to show it at all. And it's been 
they've gone, okay, don't. They've gone, all right, it won't. They've gone, okay, don't. They've gone, yeah. right, but we can't. People are complaining about they're not showing at the Picture House Central the same people that complained about having to pay £5 pounds for a Picture House Central ticket. Despite the fact that when City World took over the Picture House. I think he them, they're the same people. Yeah. When it took over the Picture House, they said, it's going to be run completely separate. I worked for Picture House yeah, yeah, yeah. when it got taken over. I get why they're allowed it. I was at the meeting. I was annoyed as well when they said it was going to be only for a few months because that was the, why I pay my uplift on the City World Cup. Because anyway, this is boring. Teams need to be a little bit more grateful for the things they're given. Yes. That's what it comes down to. And on that note, should we talk some hateful eight? Yeah. That's it, yeah. Hateful eight, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino. I love that he gets that. Like, yeah. You don't just say the Tarantino film is even on the film, not the trailer. Have the others done that? Is this the first one where it's done? Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. Yes. Yes. I don't remember Inglourious Bastards or Django doing it. Yeah, both of it. Did they? Yeah. They said the seventh yeah. film by... Okay. Yeah. Film yeah. by have they really? Yeah. Okay, I thought they said the new film by... Yeah, you I know, know. You know on his tenth one he's going to say yeah. the final film yeah. by Quentin Tarantino. I don't think it'll be his final film. No, it might be. He might pull a Soderbergh and make shit for television. He might not. Soderbergh will return the film. Soderbergh will return about 15 times. While we're here, I should point out that everyone who isn't watching the Nick should be watching the Nick. Do you know what? I've got it all on the my hard drive. The amount of people that are like, we're sinning us and we love everything, but we'll only watch Soderbergh thing if it's a film, not if it's television. Damn right! <laughs> it's the best, it's arguably one of the best things he's done. I, I, anyway, it's not about Soderbergh. I, I don't have enough time. I just yes. want to put it out there. Any self-respecting cinema fan or film fan who watches the week, Walking Dead weekly and doesn't watch the Nick has watched it. Okay. That fair enough. I don't touch the Walking Dead, but yeah, I, could, yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Anyway, um, so hateful eight, full spoilers. You can say whatever you want from now about it. There's more than eight hateful people in it uh, for a start. Um, yes, and it would have been nice if every non person, any person not from those eight, wasn't putting the credits it would have been more fun yes uh, that, that, I, that, I think that's a fair no, it's, it's a fair you could actually argue though that technically if you take out Bruce Dern and say that he's not hateful and then oh, he was hateful he's a fucking good guy he was hateful if he wasn't hateful Samuel L. Jackson wouldn't have made his, made his son suck his dick well, if he wasn't whether hateful. he actually did do that or not though I love the fact that he could have just made all that shit up just to make it <laughs> to make it shoot. Shoot. Well, that was I mean it is there's a lot of contrivances in that film and him having met him is a little bit too far but then again, Bruce Dern does say if he'd done what he set out to do, he would have come back and it made sense. That's yeah. what he said. It's all sort of linked in, yeah, but it's a, it's a nice title. But, <laughs> so, I feel we should talk about that a little bit later. I know it's spoilers, but let people have some fun. No, 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 I mean, it's spoilers all, all the way through. But like, it's it's what it is. All the time. No, yeah, uh, so, I mean, basically, my opinion of it, we, we all saw the 79 video yeah, with the intermission and whatnot. My opinion of it was first part, pretty much five out of five, yes, please. Second part, not quite I'm so I'm going to be controversial and say that the intermission might have actually hurt the film. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Oh, it's not controversial there. I understand what you're trying to do and it's actually quite nice to start off with my parents watching it and a little chat with them and a bit of food. But at the same time, because the parts are so different 
and that voiceover did not work for me. It's the weakest part. Oh, of the film. Fifteen yeah. minutes ago, blah, blah, blah. but also it's that it was Tarantino's voice. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. But, but, it, but it was almost like he was trying to try, try to make it a little bit so it wasn't just him saying, it, but so that he knew it was him but saying. He could, okay, look, I would have loved it if he pulled out, pulled out a Travolta or a Keitel or someone like he had Samuel L. Jackson in the narration of Dora's past, just come and deliver that. It almost felt like, oh shit, I forgot about this. I got an intermission. I better make sure that people know what's going on. It felt haphazard. It didn't even feel right in the mix. But anyway. The two halves are quite dimensionally different, and I almost think it would have been nicer if it just flowed. Especially considering the final part of the first part is, I think, a bit more with the second half as a whole. And it would have been nice to have a bit more segregation, but you did have, I suppose you did have to end on a big... No, and it was a nice thing to do, because it it, it utilises flashbacks so well, you don't necessarily lose those characters when you think you lose the characters, which is quite nice. Yeah, even though it was disappointing that Kurt Russell is in the first ten minutes or so of the second part and then he's yeah, gone for good. But I feel that that is karma for executive decision. Where we yeah. were promised Seagal yeah. and we didn't get much Seagal. Yeah, that's true. Because of fucking Kurt Russell. That's true. So. It wasn't because of Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I haven't forgotten that Warner Brothers. So I mean, what did what did everybody think of the hit parade generally? Is anybody itching to start? Um, I, I like you said there, the, the, the first half is, is incredibly strong. I suppose what's the first half and second half, but it, it is like it, it's it's building to everything, and it's building, 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 and then when it gets there, it just it goes a little bit too much too quickly. Yeah. It's, it's the first Tarantino film I've seen where I haven't felt the itching need to go straight back in and watch it again right That's off. Yeah, yeah, I can't really fault much in it. Yeah. But it's a four out of five, it's an eight out of ten, purely because well I can't fault it, it's almost not lazy, but it felt like he had this script, kicked up such a fast, he thought I might as well shoot it. But Sam Sam Jackson convinced it to make it. Yeah, and he knew he had a good part. Yeah. And it felt like uh, regardless of what you think of the films yeah. and are people different felt like death proof and arguably for me Kill Bill as lesser Tarantino in terms of what he's trying to do and say yeah. I enjoy those films immensely I fucking love death proof but, um, he, he's not trying to say he's not trying to say anything he's trying to say the wrong word it feels inconsequential it's what we said before we were coming uh, before we went in the fact that people Aren't talking about the, like, the, the, the content of the film. People are talking about the presentation. Yeah. 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 Out of Parties, which for me is still my favourite charity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Django Unchained, which felt like two sides of a coin. Sure. They were yeah. both yeah. revisionist history. Yeah. And almost superhero films, especially yeah. Django. Yeah, sure. And this one just felt like someone said, "Oh, you know, we love the fast better scene in Glorious Bastards. We love all the reservoirs. We love all that." Let's just. It feels like he's trading something he knows he can do very well. But it, it, it's it, it's very much a writer's piece, more than a director's piece. I actually piece. wish that he'd had the balls to follow up what he suggested a long time ago. That when he did the reading, and just put it up as a play. That'd be great. Well, he, he said in that in the next roundtable that he wants to turn it into a play. He said how he's going to 
spent some time in acting it. But I tell you what, it would have been great if Tarantino did a play. Yeah, yeah. And it was always just to be a play. It, would have, it, would have, it, it feels, it feels more like a play. Like, it, it, like, it would better as a play. It, it does sort of feel like that. The characters are. are and I guarantee like you, he could have got that cast to come and do eight weeks as a play, film it, and then put the play in cinema. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that would have been exactly the same. A better it. experiment. They would have done it. It would have been, yeah. The shoot was what twelve weeks. It would have taken that to spend that to rehearse and put it on. Bruce Stern might not have been up for it, but the yeah. Just, the he just has to sit in the chair. Really weird no, thing about yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is that in terms of scale, size, projects, and everything, it's probably the smallest movie with Reservoir Dogs. With, you know, since since he became Quentin Tarantino, because you know, my my, you know, when you look at it. Um, Jackie Brown sort of since when when he took that hiatus after Jackie Brown when he got bruised since that Kill Bill was massive and a big kind of double shoot and it was Quentin's return and then you got the whole Death Proof Grindhouse thing which was which was huge and then kind of when uh, to me sort of went out with a bit of a fizzle rather than a bang like Glorious Bastards and then this, then this kind of feels a little bit more mellow like the Glorious Bastards to me felt like the Coens coming back from intolerable cruelty with no country for all that. They made a couple of films that were good fun. They were great, almost. And I would defend the Lady Killers a little bit. I will, but and they were like, "But we're going to do that. This is us." And I mean, I don't know about you, but Kill Bill, both parts, are the only ones I've never gone back and watched. But I, I, I have. They were so entertaining. But they're they're good. And they're fun. But they're baited more. Than they're absolutely. They're, they're Tuesday night movies. They're a movie you watch on a midweek. They're not a movie you sit on a Saturday ages like a fine wine. I'm I'm really looking forward. To rewatching Death Proof, I was going to rewatch it again last night. I ended up watching Anomalisa, which was the wrong decision. But you like Anomalisa? Oh. Well, I, I have a, a Death Proof poster in my downstairs bathroom, so I just. <laughs> Slightly off topic, I just bought that amazing alternative It Follows poster that drew on her looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah, 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 I really don't like it, but I just got to say about Anomalisa, yeah. sorry. <laughs> right. If that film wasn't made by Charlie Kaplan, if it wasn't stop motion, people would be saying, oh, white man problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it destroyed me. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I I will not watch it for one reason and one reason only. I fucking hate stop motion. I know that's oh, just, my favourite thing. Yeah. But I, I I hate it for the reason it, 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 in the fact that. I once worked for three days helping a friend out do uh, stop motion, and it was a trailer for one of Nick Park ones. And two things I know from that: one, Nick Park is a prick, and two, stop motion is so boring to actually do that those guys are incredible to do it. But I cannot watch it now, having gone. I know. Wait a minute. That, wait a minute. That took 25 minutes. I know. I know, I know that it's slightly off topic. I genuinely uh, have this thing about, and I'm not knocking you guys for watching shit at home, because I know you've got kids and families and prevent stuff in the cinema, but I do find the effect of seeing certain films in the cinema is still great. Yeah, yeah, some it films is. Like, Absolutely. I'm not sure, I can't say, because I didn't watch it at home, but if I watch stuff at home, I tend to watch it in three chunks over three nights, and I'm always I do not believe so, I did it all in my life. I know, but even then, I probably still do this, it's the way I am. 
I know a lot of people I've led the screener of Carol and have not enjoyed it at home I watched that on 35 Metal Pitch House at Film Festival and I just it destroyed me and then I tried watching it at home and Room at Home and they didn't get me as much as they did in the cinema and I, I'm not saying you I watched it. Room on my iPad on the coach iPad I find standard. better than watching yeah. it on television I actually kind of agree with that something quite intimate I mean it's a big screen but we're, it's close we're getting very off topic yeah but anyway I do eight. think this, no we can lead back into the hateful eight the cinema presentation makes the film so much more enjoyable quick quick boss does anyone need a beer I'm good, but I'm good. Um, actually, yeah, as I bought you one, I'll have another IPA. Yeah, and yes. uh, is that Malcolm? Uh, I've got the next round, yeah. Yeah, cool, yeah. Uh, I'll have to say it again, please. Wait, that one. was it, the IPA? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll actually, uh, I'll have the IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright, cool. Um, so, I mean, actually, speaking about the presentation, so. See, we, it came back round. Very nice, alright, fine. So, the 70 millimeter, I, I went in. Looking on Twitter, people saying there were problems with it, and like people generally in the US have been whining about problems. I gotta say, I the Zenon was a bit flickery, but aside from that, it was spot on. And as a former projectionist, I thought it was a really good presentation. I went for the down a little bit. I had no concerns about the presentation because it's the one cinema in the country doing it. It's the only Leicester Square. They got that, that guy whose name I can't remember doing it. You know, it was it wasn't. Gonna oh, fuck it up here. No, it's Glenn or Gary or something. Oh, I know. One the game is, it wasn't going to fuck up here because they only had one to look after. Yeah. You see, uh, I went to a uh, press screening of the, the Master a couple of years ago. Yeah. For an MPS, they decided to put on a uh, the 75 minutes. I heard about it. And about uh, 15 minutes in, <laughs> you could hear them going, shit, the fuck, in the projection booth because it was out of sync. So we ended up putting the DCP on for us. Yeah, I remember that. That was why the master didn't end up doing a full tour and going across the pit towns had the print and we're going to use the print and so everywhere the audio track on the print had been misprinted or something or something went I don't know what went wrong I think, I think it was the actual but because the actual it went wrong because the thing is like, it's it, 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 the white line they are on the same it, yeah they're on the same they're on, they're on the print unless they were like using like a DTS disc well, some, and I inserted that and that was fast but in that case you just take out the disc something went and wrong the, the and it ended up being that because I had tickets to go and see the master right, at 70 minutes I went City Street New York because they had it advertised yeah, a, big, yeah. a big massive poster on TNC exclusive 70 mil and I had a ticket for it and then all of a sudden like three days before it was like yeah, we aren't we are getting any I learned so much about projection A from my masters and then from you and Ian Paul no, I just love schooling cinemas on their projection yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, like, I, I can't do it so much anymore because like yeah Cardiff is all digital projection I don't have as much no. grounding in that so but even that I'm still like when it's like racked out of focus yeah, or something yeah. like that even digital still racks digital or not oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love I mean I love it twice I've been able to call the DOD <laughs> no, that's that's hilarious. Right. No, you know about so it. you've got to like that story, uh, like seriously go on. Well, it happened twice. The first time with Mr. Turner was funny, but the Macbeth one is funnier, but they're kind of the same punchline, so it all works out. Well, but I took my dad to see Macbeth in the Sydney World. Yeah. I'm not gonna say which one, because I don't want to shame them any more than I already have. <laughs> so I like Sydney World, as we've already established. I think the good they do outweighs the bad. That's why I didn't want to see Hateful Eight there anyway, because they would have fucked it up. <laughs> um, 
For about two years, they had a problem in one of their screens of, I don't know how you'd call it, but they were slightly zoomed out. So there wasn't this black bar at the top and bottom, it was all the way around. The picture was smaller, and therefore slightly out of focus. I always had to go and correct them, they'd always fix it as a pain. I was in screen six or seven, in screen two. It happened with Mr. Turner and it happened with Macbeth. But it was worse, like it was really out of focus. And at both times I went to complain, they said they couldn't fix it. Yeah. And with Macbeth, I, I went out a second time, so you still haven't fixed it. So he went back to talk to his manager and I heard the manager say on the radio to them, oh, it's okay, it's an artistic decision, that's how it's meant to be. And I said, and the guy said this to me, I went, I know what you're going to say, it's not an artistic decision. Uh, a, I went to the uh, premiere in Leicester Square and I know how it works. And B, why don't I phone the DOP right now? So I phoned up uh, Dick Pope in that case, Adam Arkenford. Dick answered, Adam, it went to answer machine, but it was still beside the point. And it was just like, do you want to explain to them? And they went, oh, no, 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 no. They still didn't fix it because our, our projection manager isn't here today. No one else knows how to do it. Because there's no projection manager. You and about, about seven months ago, I went to, no longer than that, maybe a year ago now, I went, I had a phone call with a guy called Scott in head office at Cineworld. So I sent them a letter detailing every single time they'd fucked up. I hope everyone's enjoying this April 8 review. Sorry. Sorry. This is what happens when you get me on. I'm tangential. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. You can edit it around. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> That's too much effort. I, um, yes. Yes, I, I know that. I worked with him for t- two years. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I just got discussed. Right, sorry, Captain. Once we had to stay in the view for about four or five hours after the shift because you fucked up the alarm and the keys. You didn't have to stay. I was with. You were giving me a lift. Oh, that's right. You could have still gone. Anyway, um, I had a cat with him, and he said this one. I literally happen- were there till five in the morning. It was ridiculous. He said this one happened again. I did. I worked it all out with him. I said, look. I know you're trying to cut numbers, but to have somebody check the start and finish of every film, say five minutes each way, and you do this many screens a day, and blah, 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 it'll take up a total of two hours of a work day. And that's 15 quid in wages. And you can't do that. And they still don't. It does amaze me that I think the cinemas owe it to their customers to have somebody check the start and finish of every film. The one time I've had that recently, where there's been someone in the screen, it was the 9am Thursday, 17th of December showing of Star Wars. Yeah. And it was only because they wanted to make sure no one was caught recording. They didn't give a shit about no, the quality. Exactly. Anyway, let's go back to Hateful Eight. I'm yeah. really sorry. So, I so I, I will ask a question. Jennifer Jason Lee's been getting some some heat for uh, like supporting actress. Right. I don't. I don't see it. She's fine. She's not got a big moment. She doesn't do much. She, no, no. She. I know. She's very good, and there's a there's a maniacal thing to her. But I think by sheer virtue of being the only woman in the film, she stands out. Right. Samuel L. Jackson's big campaigner's lead. Everyone else is supporting. She's supporting woman. It's easy. I th- yeah, I th- and I just, she's an actress who, let's face it, is kind of owed some kind of recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. Uh, it's their time. It's like Patricia Arquette and Boyhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, the IPA. Uh, no, no, you were you were on the four something. But the I IPA is nice. Whatever, I don't care. I like whatever. IPA. The um, Patricia Arquette and Boyhood. She was fine. Yeah. But the point is, she got the Oscar for aging on the screen. But to be fair, she had the. Um, I thought there'd be more. 
if she didn't have no, that. It was a lovely moment. Really she got it for ages. Oh, no, 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 totally. Yeah, I agree. And Jennifer is a similar thing. It's a brave thing. She's a woman who gets violated in many, many ways, even though she has it coming. Yeah. But she actually does deserve it. I kept waiting for some kind of twist that meant that maybe there was something she didn't deserve it. But no, she had every. Yes. They yeah. all were. They all, it's hateful all, for a reason. That's, that's people. Yeah, I mean, that, that's another slight problem I have with it, really. That the mystery built up is not really. The payoff's not that fantastic. It's like, right, so got those three guys were in on it, there was a guy hiding in the basement. Great. And by then, it's not really about the mystery anyway. It's, it's actually weirdly more about the relationship between Samuel L. Jackson and Walter and I kept waiting for Which one is more, fine by me. But I kept waiting for one more twist of the knife with Walton Goggins. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he was in yeah. on it the whole time. Nearly. Thanks, buddy. I kept waiting for that. I will. Anyway, Jennifer Jason Lee. What, Mark, what did you think of Jennifer Jason Lee in that film? Fantastic. There we go. Okay, go best, He best, said fantastic, best. just in case. I just thought it's good. He didn't want to miss this part of the discussion. He's buying us beer. Um, no, she was very good. And no, she deserves a nomination. No, she, she, no, she was good. I just. I stand by Alicia Vikander's going to win for X Machina or Danish Girl, whichever she gets put in that category. Imagine if Vikander won for X Machina. Supporting actress. It's still my favourite film of the year, but. Um, I need, did you watch it? I watched it six times. Did, did you watch it? It's still your favourite film. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I quite enjoyed it. I just wish Oscar Isaac was in the conversation, personally. That'd be nice. For the dance alone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Jennifer she could win. She won't. She, she deserves that nomination. She's deserved it for four years of work, and it's still a fierce performance. Jennifer Jason Lee deserves it for the fact that she's been fantastic. It's a fierce performance, you know. It's, it's for 30 years, yeah. and never seems to recognition. No. I mean, to be fair, she, she's pretty much animalistic as well in the second half. Like the way she's just like, it's like she's ready to pounce. And also, sorry. Oh, thank and you. And so also, nice she's, Mark. it's not going to be a big contingent. There is going to be a contingent that really likes what she did in Animalista as well. I mean, they did get an independent spirit nomination for best supporting actress. So, yeah, her voice. Well, yeah, I mean, they're making a point, but still. Then again, I made a point by putting Animalista down as my best cinematography of the year. So. Yeah. Animalista and Son of Saul. And Son of Saul. But anyway, K3, focus. Sorry, I, I go off on tangents. So, I, I, I mean, like, I suppose my, my favourite section of the film was probably the start. I mean, I will say, any of Morricone's score, it is just like, it, it's like fate, like, classic Ennio any Morricone. You got a bit with like some drum kind of like off syncopated beat coming in. You didn't like it, did you? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> no, but I mean, like you got like a girl kind of like like singing at one point, and it felt. I, and I mean, like the, the title thing is yeah. awesome. Come on. The right. reason I'm making this face, which you can't see, is um, I'm not disputing the quality of the score, but I was about to go tangential again. I don't want to do it without asking. Can I have 60 seconds? You're going to dispute the quality of the score? No, I'm not. I have something else. It's tangential. You genuinely... Are you bought... what, what else do you have to do? I'm the one missing birthday parties. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Thematically, this is how our every single show we have happens. We start talking about one thing, and eventually get round to it and go, I just, what are we talking about? I, 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 I bet people are going fucking nuts. Oh, I bet they are. Not, so me and my friend were about to do our own podcast, and we think, well, I thought no one would listen to that shit. Yeah, I would. Anyway, you would. That's it. Anyway, <laughs> the best original score category. Yeah. The music branch of the Academy disqualifies scores on a regular basis for use of pre-existing cues, uh, source music, and other things. Yeah. Don't you 
this year, we have the Revenant this year, Whiplash last year, Bird, no, not sorry, Bird now last year, uh, they'll be blood, all that shit. And a lot of it comes down to they don't know the composer and they're stuffy and old and shit. Yeah. This year, you have two examples of two legendary composers who are recycling their past work with a few new cues who are the favourites to win. One is John Williams and one is Ennio Morricone. That is kind of ridiculous that John Williams is in. Ennio Morricone ain't not quite. No, just no, no, no. Not yes, they are. The Ennio Morricone one, they've used pre existing score uh, off cuts from the thing for this film. They're not actually used no, in the no, their rule is if it was written for something else... Oh, no, if it's used... No, 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 if it's written for something else... No, 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 no
is using a cinematic technique that hasn't been used for what? 50 years? Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah, no, what was it? No, it was after that. It was, it was, it was, it was shot in Silicon Yeah, there was like I can't remember what the last one was. There's only been like, what, 11 or 11 films shot on it? Something crazy like that? What's this podcast called? Doing the Monkey. Doing the Monkey Guy. I apologise. You might not know that Andrew is here. I'm not sure he said anything yet. I feel really, really bad. So, why don't we, like... What was your favourite moment from the film, actually? Oh, God. That's a tough one. Um, You know what? I will say it's the uh, bit that goes towards the intuition. I think that last, that five-minute sequence. Oh, oh, here's a good thing. This could be interesting. Ian, what was your least favourite part? Let's say it's divided into five chapters, and this there is chapter three. Yeah. We're very much talking about chapter three. Yes. Yeah, I, because there might not be an intermission for a lot of people. Sure. So the thing is, I, was, I, I wasn't a massive fan of, of that section, but reframing it as it probably didn't happen, Samuel L. Jackson was just doing the ultimate as an unreliable narrator piece. I, I'm more comfortable with it, yeah. but it did feel rather incongruous to the rest of the film that had come so far and also I had to wonder whether a black bounty hunter in that period in America would have made someone traipse two hours in the snow and then got them to suck their dick well you know what though I don't think and the Lincoln letter is an interesting I don't know but if I can walk for two hours in the snow I'd suck a dick you fucking hard I would get a guy so what I'm saying is the Lincoln letter as a device is set up for a reason and it establishes that this is a man that lies to get the result that he wants. Yeah, exactly. And that's the only... I mean, that, that Devon Farage... take it back to my favourite bit. I fucking love it. Devon Farage has written a wonderful article about the Lincoln letter that I won't repeat here because you shouldn't read it now you've seen the film. I read it before, so I'm an idiot. But the Lincoln letter serves that purpose. And I don't know where the mic is, by the way. Oh, it's in, in the speaker room. Yeah. Okay. Hello. And the... Um, I think the Lincoln letter is quite a fascinating device, and it allows you to then take for an unreliable narrative with a grain of salt. I also find that scene functions as the scene that makes Samuel L. Jackson hateful. Yeah, sure. Because he's your ostensible hero. He's slighted, he's called nigger, he's... And this is still a man that manufactured a situation where he can murder a man that they weren't allowed to do. He wanted to murder that man, and he made it happen, and he preyed on that man's weaknesses and his son. And it actually made you feel sorry for a, a yeah. confederate general. There's a great point where he puts the gun down yeah. and he taps it. He, he, he acknowledges the gun is there and then he taps it. So as he puts it down, he taps it so and I, walks away. So essentially, he's not just putting the gun down, touching that thing and, and putting that gun down. So putting the gun down and tapping is pointing at it, which is psychologically saying, but, that's yours. I mean, I still think Samuel L. Jackson's performance of Django is better than this, but yeah. Yeah. anything that allows Samuel L. Jackson to orate like that uh, that's what he does is, is he, he, does, he, he does well just look down the barrel of the camera while you're doing it yeah. and he's doing it as it's, well so I, want to point, so I think that scene is very brilliant no, very, I, do you know what that reading of it completely but, genuinely shifts my thinking on it honestly Andrew do you agree to my personal opinion is I thought the first act chapter was 
the, the, be- the most successful, right? Point to set things up beautifully. Chapter one and chapter, chapter two. Chapter one. Yeah. Right. Chapter two, I found the most entertaining of the five. Purely because Tim Roth is a fucking boss. Yeah, it's oh, it's chapter, chapter three. Chapter three. Oh, is that the haberdashery? Yeah. Sorry. So chapter one and two are both of the characters. Okay. So chapter three, therefore, if that is that, that yeah, I agree with chapter you. Three. Chapter three, Andrew, is... Yeah. There's a great moment where I was thinking about it during the intermission, where... Tim Hoff introduces himself and it's uh, introduced him and he says his name and then Three Kurt Russell says it back and he goes and he, says, Waldo? and he goes and he goes yes as if he's like he's really impressed with his own name watching it back I'm yeah. looking forward to watching it again knowing the For, truth basically yeah. and I want to see it again without an intermission actually to see how it affects my enjoyment of the second half right. well Tarantino wrote the part for Roth. Yeah, which is good. And, and he said the reason why he wrote the part for Roth is because he was out having a drink with Tim Roth after Jan was holding the iPad. And he said to him, and Tim Roth said, because Tim said to me, why haven't we worked together in years? We, we should work together, we should work together. So then Tim said to me, because you're not fucking written anything for me. Everything you write, you write with somebody in mind. Yeah. And he does, that's how Tim's in right. Yeah. Once he starts a character, he's only got an idea of who he wants to play. He originally wants Simon Pegg to, be, uh, to do Fastbrain this part. He did, and he also, uh, only because I've worked with him, is Bob the Mexican was originally Bob the Frenchman. And I'm not sure how that worked. But it was going to be Denis Menachet. And of course, Denis did the read-through. And then, well, I'm not going to say anything, but... Just a little side note, Brad's just directed a short film with Menachet playing Santa Claus. But I don't know what happened there. Um, but it is... And actually, I don't think Bob the Frenchman would have had half as much dramatic impact as Bob the Mexican. Yeah. No, what the Mexican is, 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 is and, David, and David Bashir was brilliant yeah. I will say as much as chapter 2 is my favourite nothing made me or my mother of indeterminate age I'm not going to throw that up there yeah. for a public debate that's fine right. and my 70 year old father laugh harder than Samuel L. Jackson punching Jennifer Jason Lee and taking Kurt Russell out of the carriage with <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I laughed a lot as well it was, it was fun this, I mean I took them as a Christmas present and they fucking loved it it's because they love Tarantino. I, I, I just want to say, maybe without comment, I was a little unsettled at the amount of laughter every single time the N word was used. Yeah, that was kind of. It, it's. I, I, I think that a little bit nowadays, Tarantino sometimes put, puts more into the N word just because he knows that every time an N word is uttered in his films, a little part of spite. Literally, I do think, I do think that when, when Tantina finishes a film and it's, it's all sorted, sits there and watches it, every time the M-word is put in his mind, a little, a little, you know, like, you know, like in, um, and he won't understand it, he fucking hasn't watched it for some reason. You know, the, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. What is wrong with you? Exactly. 
every time, every time. Donna and I have been meaning to watch it to Wonderful Life every every December. Yeah. Okay, okay. right. So Wait, stop, stop. Ian, do not watch it until Christmas. No, 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 no. no. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm buying you it. I look after children quite a bit, right? In a genuine way. My my boss has kids. I look after yeah, them. Next year, bring your family down to London. Go to the Prince. The only thing the Prince Charles is good for. Find the picture house rock. See it in London with all the lights at Christmas, and I'll, I'll look after your kid for a couple of hours. And go watch It's a Wonderful Life properly. It's magnificent. <laughs> but anyway, alright, you got that recording. Yeah, no, I stand, stand by that. The, uh, what is it? Every time everyone is uttered in, in a Tarantino oh, film, despite the a little bit more. I think it's overrated, but that's why it's sitting shorter. Because parts of it are actually, not like a little part inside, an actual physical part of it. Every time an N word is used, Spike Lee dies a little inside. Ignore all that. Every time you call it, every time you call it the N word, it gains more power. You shouldn't give power to the word. The word is nigger. Say the word. Stop using the N word. I just, it's just in case people are offended. No, no, a word is given because we're sat in a carbon. No, I don't care. A word is given power by not saying the word is an ugly word it's a horrible word and Tarantino knows this he's not stupid the reason people laugh every time I'm not, not, not criticising his use of it in this I'm criticising the fact that no, no, people's reactions I'm taking umbrage with your thoughts of some people's reactions Tarantino knows it's going to laugh he's going for a laugh he knows that this hateful character saying nigger to a black man and people are laughing at ridiculous who at this point we believe has an actual letter from Abraham Lincoln after the emancipation of slaves and Samuel Jackson's reaction is played for laughs. He holds on those eyes. He holds on that. He knows that people. The laugh is uncomfortable. People aren't laughing in a place of. I no. I, some of those laughs I didn't think. Well, I can't speak for them, but I laugh uncomfortable because it makes me think, man. And it also makes you want to see her get what's coming to her and anyone else who says it. it with the lines where the performance made the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And I did laugh at a few of them. Walton Goggins' reactions in a couple. Yeah, a couple of also, it is true. To the era. I mean, I can't talk for his more recent film. I'm not criticising the use of it in this. No, Reservoir Dogs. It, like you watch that film. I watched that film last year. That, man, oh my, yeah. that is. And he deserved to be punched by Spike Lee for that, or Denzel Washington for that. Sorry, but if by this point, when you're doing Django, this, you know, he. If he had made this film and no, however it was said a long time for it, it's not, you're not, I'm not no, no. But I do believe that people know why they're laughing. Most people. There's going to be the odd idiot. But I do believe that most people know why they're laughing. I'm with you on that, to be honest. Well, we disagree. It's a It's off the times. The, the problem is, I think, it's it, it, it almost become highlighted as a troll of Tarantino. So maybe you notice it more in a Tarantino film, possibly than you might do it in other films. I don't think many other films even other than Spike Lee. Has anyone watched Chirac yet, by the way? No, it's coming on Amazon Prime next month, isn't it? Yeah, I, I watched it. I went to a screening. Um, 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 anyway, sorry, Tarantino. No, oh, dude, no, apparently Chirac is. So All I'll say is it's like Anna Karenina. I know you'd never think Chirac and Anna Karenina will be compared. But it's it's not it, it's I call it a four-star film purely by virtue of being an ambitious failure. It might not work completely, but he's aimed high. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last really gun, interesting. And that's why I call Chirac. It's the last film I, I, I actually enjoyed half my days was Oldboy. I enjoyed Which one? Oldboy. I enjoyed Oldboy every night. But I wrong. It's a terrible But Chirac told me an iambic pentameter is bold and it's different and he's trying for something. And it might not work, but it's worth watching just to see someone aim high. Yeah. Was that when he got kickstarted? No, that was the sweet blood of Jesus. Which I could have. I contributed to and hated. Hang on a minute, you contributed to a Kickstarter. But Chirac did cost something like 25 million, and he's only going to make like a million pounds. I got a Twitter shout out from Spike Lee, it was worth five dollars, yeah. whatever it was. Well, Chirac was budgeted like 25 million and won't make it. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. <laughs> okay, I think we're kind of almost done with Hateful Eight. Anyway. No, we're not, we're not. Oh, we're not. <laughs> yeah, anyway, the, we were talking about we've had enough of that. It's, it, he knows what he's doing. I would like to see Tarantino. I know he says he wants to do another Western. I'd like to see him tackle something completely different. I would. No, it's always going to be an 18. He's always going to be adult. I would not know. The idea of where he's saying he'd like to do a proper horror movie doesn't appeal to me. No. I'd like, he once said he wanted to do a proper gangster film, and I would I'd like period gangster. And I'd like to see him do that. I'd like to see him do that. I'd like to see him do a musical. I'd like to see him do science fiction. I'd like to see him do a rom-com. Yeah, but I, I think... His version of a rom-com. In the I idea think, though, of Tarantino needs to do a film that maybe he doesn't say nigger so much. He doesn't need to. Just to prove that he doesn't need it, because it's becoming a crutch. It's, 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 it's replaced his... And he's trying to make a point that he's going to keep using the yeah, it, It's replaced the, um, the Trump show. Well, I say we're not done with Hateful Eight, and I'm going to start with Andrew, because I want to hear more from Andrew. <laughs> and this is a bit of a laborious question, but it will take what take so I love how at the start you were like, just ask me a question, I'm a bit, just ask me a question, now you've completely taken over, that's it. It's fine. Andrew, rank the Hateful Eight. Fuck. No, no, rank these eight characters. Oh, in terms of any <laughs> Which ones you thought... It's a grip. Uh, which ones I like most and which ones I thought... Which ones you thought were the best... Oh, the best. Approximation between performance and character. <laughs> Go from eight to one. And you two think about it. This is going to come up. Yeah, thanks. Uh, throw me out the bus. Um, I'd say Michael Madsen's number eight. Really at the bottom. I don't think I don't think he ever felt right in the world. But maybe it was because he was so disconnected from most of the movie. They didn't have much to play with until uh, chapter five when it comes to the flashback stuff. Yeah. Um, it's Bruce Dern kind of because he is just a character sitting there the entire time. He's good at doing what he does, but he doesn't do much. Um, well, is it Demian? Demian Bashir. Thank you. Yeah, I'd say him next. Again, quite a good performance, but yeah, a bit too a bit too much of trying to be the red herring character. He's thrown under the bus as an actual interesting character in his own right. He's just there to be Oh, is he the bad guy? We don't know. He's got a lot of questions to answer. Um, we're up number seven. Come on, eight, seven, six. Who's number five? Number five. I'm going through the rest of the top ten. Uh, top five. 
uh, water goblins would probably be fine. Yeah. Because I think, for everything I love about water goblins, he plays it a little too kind and nice in this film. Which I, I love him when he's crazy or fucking weird or just aggressive. And in this film, it's always weird to see him happy or in an element where he's not just shooting everyone all the time. I find that cool. Kurt Russell before, which might be simple to say, because obviously Kurt Russell is yeah. a god of some kind, but maybe maybe he is underutilised. He's going through... Yeah, it's a Number three. You've got Jennifer Jason Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, and Tim Roth left. I think Samuel L. Jackson was number three, Jennifer Jason Lee was number two, and Tim Roth is number fucking one. Why? Tim Roth is the most entertaining thing in this film. And I think, obviously, his character seems to suit him perfectly to create two different elements of the English persona. The kind of the, the common man and the, oh, hello, I'm very posh and rich. Silly. He gets to play it to the hilt. And I think him having fun with that character makes us have fun with that character. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, she doesn't get much, but what she does is quite fun. I quite enjoy watching her being kind of like, just kind of working in the room whilst being silent. And we know your thoughts on Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So which of you cunts wants to go next? Ian's oh. actually listed his song. My least hateful, Kurt Russell, because he's doing a fucking job. That's well, cool. wait, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Approximation of character and performance. So you've got to find the, the meme between the two of them. Sorry? You've got to find the meme between the two yeah. of them. So like the level ballot. Put it this way. Samuel L. as you say, Tim Roth might have the more interpretive character, but his performance is so good that it balances out. Yeah. Basically, which is your favourite? We're ranking Oh, the favourites? Yeah. Oh, right. But it's okay. an approximation of how well they played the character. It's a whole new list now. Play. It's an objective okay. subject of this. Do you want Mark to go no, first? No, 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 I can do it. All right. <laughs> Least Madsen. Yep. Nate, um, I'd say Bashir. I'm looking at their names. Yeah, I know. Alright, so, but yeah, makes that say Bashir. I mean, Madsen and Bashir, they don't really do awful all that much. They kind of just go into stereotypes. I've got to say, Madsen was kind of just doing a more chilled version of his character from Reservoir Dogs. Madsen seemed a little bit like. Your turn, Fair enough. So, yeah, Bashir, a bit, just a bit nothing, uh, to be honest. I mean, he's fine, but there's not much to him. He's the Mexican, he's a bit shifty. You know. Um, okay, next I would say me. I wasn't I wasn't that enamoured by her, and um, it just in the end of the day, she's I think she's more a MacGuffin than, than uh, anything else. She's the she's the object to which everyone kind of focuses. The conduit. Sorry, conduit for everything. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like whatever. I, I, I am a little bit whatever. Um, next, I'd say um, Dern because he's getting he's getting up there, but he not, I mean he doesn't really do all that much. But that makes once you know what's going on with his character, it kind of makes it a bit more impactful. But the fact that he doesn't say anything like at all, he doesn't give any inclination. He's like, I want to live, whatever. I'm just going to sit here. I don't care about anybody, whatever. But he just doesn't get enough to really chew on to make it. Worth that, that, that make that make too much of that. Um, okay, then Jackson. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean the thing is, the other ones could be kind of much of a muchness. Jackson, Goggins, Roth, and. Um, 
Russell. I, 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 I kind of... Why Kurt Russell at number one? Well, it's kind of joint, I suppose. With? With those three. Okay. Because, I, I don't know, I think they are... I, I think they do performances that justify uh, those characters and I think those characters are written well enough to justify the performances I think they're quite the symbiosis between the two I mean I suppose if you were to say my favourite 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 I would say Walton Goggins because I think his character has a lot of shades and I think that Goggins plays those shades really well you know he's got a lot of kind of anger in him but he's also a bit silly but he also is is kind of true to him himself, I suppose. You know, I mean, like, there's not a lot of characters who are really. He, he, I don't know. He, he never has any kind of mystery to him. He kind of is a. He, he lays it on the line straight is. away. Sorry. He lays it on the line like in the first season. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm the new sheriff. I don't like that. And, and he runs with it. Okay, I think now it's Mark's turn. He looks like he's kind of. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. To be fair, I misunderstood the question, so the fact that I just came out with that, I think, was quite good. We came um, out a long time ago. Madsen um, looks like he literally had a lot of alimony payments built up, and Tarantino put him a check. Um, what, Madsen? Yeah, and, and, and said, well, just stand in the background a little bit. Stand in the corner. Some... You're going to have to shoot someone at some point. But Madsen... You're okay with that, Mike? I reckon Madsen turned up in the costume department, and they went, oh, Somebody already knew you and he went, oh? And then, oh, you're perfect, just go on, just go on. <laughs> um, and then next, I would say, next is Dern, just because he's doing the standard crusty old man thing. Um, he does it well, but it, it, it's just kind of there. Um, after that, I go Russell because he's fantastic, but he's delivering what Kurt Russell delivers for you. He delivers that very well. Um, from there, I think you jump into Tim Roth, who's fantastic and is the most entertaining bit of it. But his character is at an absolute level between as good as his performance is, is, is how good his character should be. He's never trying to take over the film. He's, trying, he's, he's obviously trying to be big enough to leave an impression, but not too big that you go in. I need more of that guy. If you have more of that guy, it's the whole, why hasn't Loki got a film of his own? Is my Loki got a film of his own? Because that'd be fucking boring. If he was in it more, it'd start to lose its impact. It's the perfect balance. So who have I got left then? So, next, Samuel this Jackson. That's why I made a list. Yeah. Samuel Jackson, yeah, my, bu- my battery's running out. Um, Samuel Jackson. He's the oldest, maybe you can't take it. What? What? Carry on. What did you say? What do you think? Carry on. He's, uh, and then the oldest, your memory's favourite. It fucking is, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I've been to that one. <laughs> Shit, am I the oldest person here? Am I? Yes. Right, thank you. That's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Jackson next because he's delivering Samuel Jackson so he's fantastic but it is what it is then Bashir because yeah he's an instant character but he's a lot of fucking fun the accent is great the current relief is fantastic the fact that he's the one guy when you go into that setting that you know isn't on the level from the start it's made clear he isn't on the level from the start 
Yeah, he's just going, uh, yeah, well, it's this, it's that, and it's blah, blah, blah. I, I, I have to say, slight, slight tangent, something I raised with you. First half, Kurt Russell, circle shot, one of these people can't be trusted. Samuel Jackson's there, like, yeah, 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 can't be trusted, yeah. Samuel Jackson knows Damien Bashir is another level because he knows that Millie doesn't employ Mexicans. Yeah, why doesn't he say? Because, because he wants all the bounties. Sorry? Because he wants the bounty. I, what impressions do you ever get that Jackson actually wants? And he doesn't know that they're the bounties. Because, because no, 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 no. He wants, he wants her bounties. Oh, her bounties. Maybe. Her bounties. But that's that, a big leap to take. Stroke. But he's, he's, let's just come, come back to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've checked it out. Number two, Jennifer Jason Leigh. I think she's fantastic in a cast of all male characters apart from her. Essentially, as a man. You say number two. Number two. Yeah. You've got two more to go. Haven't you? Right, you say Goggins or yeah, this one? Goggins or you say Goggins or Ross? Yeah. Yeah, you said Ross. Oh, you said Tim Ross. I missed yeah. Tim Ross. Um, because in, in that she holds her up as being the most manic and the most crazy and the most unhinged of a lot of them, and I like that in a woman. Uh, and then he won Goggins because let's be honest he's great Goggins is the shit and do you know why Goggins is great really good because because everything's laid on the line with it he is a he is I think he is the sheriff I think he's got that by a pure accident probably he's also yeah he's a racist but he's also incredibly impressed by Samuel Jackson's character He's impressed by him. He's a little bit in awe of him. That's why he sides with him because this guy is com- goes completely against. White literally was against his values. Yet he's completely in awe of him because of what he's achieved. He's the polar opposite of what he believes in, but he has this kind of weird kind of admiration, respect for him. So I'll get through this quite quickly. Number eight, Damien Bashir. Uh, I think he was highly entertaining, but he was uh, he was comic relief, and I would argue that he actually wasn't that hateful. No, he wasn't. And I, but that comes to something I'm going to get to later. But, but that bit. Tangent, 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 claxon. However, that is the trope of Westerns that the Mexican is essentially there as, look, here's a Mexican. And he's a bit of a comic relief. And it is a trope of Westerns that you have essentially a token Mexican. Hold on. Let me finish this. I want you to hear my list. Right. I want to get a drink. Oh, bloody hell. Can't argue with that. <laughs> so, Damien Bashir, number eight. I really enjoyed him. And bear in mind, I don't think anyone was bad at this by any way. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Ooh. Because I believe that Kurt Russell might have been a little bit too over the top. Did you hear my reaction there? Yeah, that was the girl you heard was here. <laughs> um, a little bit over the top. And considering he's already been in one fantastic Western this year. I felt that I was actually. Well, I mean, Tomahawk is a better film than The Hate for Lunch. It is. It is. It is. I'm not lying. I believe, mainly for Richard Jenkins, but I believe. Tomahawk is a better it, it, film. No, 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 I haven't disagreed with you. I believe that Kurt Russell was clearly having fun, don't get me wrong, but he was. I was getting a bit bored of his paranoia and a 
upset and like so I get it I get what you're doing like, you're, like a wet blanket he's really. having the same kind like, I knew it was obvious he was going to get one of the first to die and I was kind of waiting for it and number six um I haven't really thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show me the pictures? Yes. Oh, oh. Who's have you ruined? No, I have two copies. Okay. What did I say to you? What are you just showing me? You're going to give one to Andrew because you ruined the copy. I will do, yeah, of course I will. Okay, oh, I don't know you know what? I kind of like all these people. I'm going to put Michael Madsen at six, even though I thought he'd be higher. My, I'm good, I know it now. <laughs> I turn you up the cup and My problem with Michael Madsen, no, my, 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 I like Michael Madsen this because, yeah, he might have been giving the best performance, but there's something really nice about watching Michael Madsen's <laughs> weathered old foot slip into that old comfortable shoe of Tarantino. Like, it made me feel a little bit warm inside. It didn't, mate. It literally, literally is, like, his character in this, quite literally, is, is the great, great, great grandfather of his yeah. character in Kill Bill. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tarantino says that, because the kind of cut he is, but for, for about two hours, <laughs> for about two hours of those three, I actually kept thinking that maybe he genuinely is actually a good guy, but he's just going to see his mum. <laughs> and I like the idea that Michael Madsen might just be the shit. The, the thing is, the fact that he's so shit, it's like, what if it is just like he doesn't really want to talk to these people? He just wants to sit in the corner and shit. Yeah. He's just got like involved in this. Yeah. Number you know, five. Great. As much as I liked him again, I kind of like all of these guys. I put Bruce Dern at five, and again, I thought he'd be higher, but thinking about it, maybe not. And he said he might not say a lot, but he does so much with the reaction. He make, as I said earlier, he makes you feel heartbroken for a Confederate general. Yeah. And I actually felt for him more than any of the others. It's not Bruce Dern that makes you feel that. Well, that's right. I, I love Bruce Dern. It's the story Durn. that makes you feel that. No, but it's his face. He... Oh, when he comes down to it, it's like the deep, like, yeah. 70 millimeter wide, yeah, just yeah. in his oh, face. To you, um, we're talking about Nebraska. <laughs> Don't you dare talk about that film unless you're going to tell me it's shit. Thank you. Is uh, that I, I, I didn't. Give me a I've got an empty glass here I can smash over your head. No, because I, I didn't enjoy Nebraska. I'm not going to say anything. But my point is regarding Nebraska is when everyone was coming out with regards to Nebraska and saying, oh, Bruce Dern, look at this amazing performance in his living. It's like, wait a minute, hang on a minute. Bruce Dern's been in amazing performances for 40 odd fucking years. Why are people just getting on this now? Anyway, number, anyway, I thought he was quite brilliant. Number four is where I get tricky. Um, I kind of want to say it's a time, but four and three at the same. So I might have, I'll say them in this order. Are top four at the same? Samuel L. Jackson. Because he does this better than anyone with Tarantino, but he's done it better. Yeah. But he's clearly having fun. Then Jennifer Jason Lee, who I just thought, again, was relishing the chance to get her teeth into something. If maybe her character wasn't deep as I thought she might be. She is what they say from the beginning to her detriment, whereas someone I'm going to say later is what they say they are to their plus. Uh, and two and one, Tim Roth, because he was just, unlike Damien Bashir, who was also comic relief, Tim Roth has had a bit more to play. Yeah. And That's he, not Bashir's fault. No, it's Tarantino's, but I think there's a balance between the character they're playing the way they play it. Sure. Uh, number, uh, was that number two? Number one, Walton Goggins. For, 
going to say three reasons. I'm going to make these reasons up. I think it's three. One, I still maintain The Shield is the greatest television show of all time and ended better than any other TV show of all time. to justify this, but And okay. it's the most underrated performance ever in television. And it's nice to see what Shoggins finally get a part and you can sink his teeth into for a wider audience. Second of all, similar to what you said, his character is what he says he is. To the, but also, that allows his character to grow and change unlike any other. As you said, this is a character who is slightly impressed by the nigger he hates. By the end, they're friends and he believe it. And there's more tension in what decision he's going to make when she offers that deal. Anything else... They didn't know which way that was going to go. And he goes from a caricature to someone where you are rooted on his face because you can't read where he's going with it. And I just think... And then third... His name is amazing. He's Walton Goggins. I love him. But this leads me to... The reason I asked this question in the first place leads me to the last thing I want to talk about with The Hateful Eight is if you're going to insist that David Bashir is hateful, even though I didn't really get that, yeah. really this film should be called The Hateful Nine. Yeah. Because Channing Tatum is as hateful, if not more so. Than great, I think the great thing about Channing Tatum when he arrives is he struts about the place like a man who is wandering around going, Yeah, I'm going to believe Britain's yeah. you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but if his name is Channing in the credits, the film should be called The Hateful Nine, he should be one of them. The thing is, take out Amy and Bashir. Yeah. yeah. Take out Damien Bashir. Damien Bashir had about as much function as uh, James, James Parks, OB, OB yeah. the driver. And, ch- and keep the myth, but I don't know. I would have loved it if they had the balls to do a poster for this film that had eight squares and the eighth one was a question mark. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it would have been awesome. And they'd done a John Doe in seven and kept the name out of the opening yeah. credits. Yeah. It, 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 would have, it would have made sense. It would have been great. Channing Tatum is really the eighth hateful person in that yeah. film. I would argue as much as he's having fun doing it he's the weakest in it and he took me out of the film quite considerably but it's the Channing I love Channing Tatum it's the who are we going to get in for a cameo get Channing Tatum but I do think that that was played wrong yeah yeah, no, I mean, the, the fact that, that, that it's the fact that you get, like, the, the, the four passengers chapter starts, and it's like you're seeing their feet, like, get step out of the stagecoach and whatnot, and, like, take those hats off, let me see your faces. It's like, we already know who the faces are, and Channing Tatum's name is in the opening, so we know it's going to be him. Anyway, I'm going to say one, two things now. I really need a piss. Ian needs to get around it. Mark and Andy, you just talk for a bit, and we'll join you in a minute. Well, I'd be interested to see that. I'd be interested to see uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is not in the. Uh, oh, well, the, the, the extended start. Yeah. Because I could see. Chimes it have not been introduced until. So, not, not the other under the floor of the shot. The shot comes out to the floor of the line. That would be great. Which yeah. actually would have worked a lot better. What you find when you have these extended cuts is the bits that you don't have and have cut out a lot of the time, as often as they make sense, they don't make sense. And they cut out for a dramatic reason and they put in back in for no real reason. 
I can see it actually being that's got in there, and that's a little bit that's cut out. I was thinking, when Jennifer Jason Lee starts playing the guitar and singing that song, I thought that sequence, early on it felt like, oh, this is going quite long, this is strange, which I don't forget, I was thinking, maybe that was one of the bits that maybe, or maybe it has been cut down a little bit, for the sake of, it goes yeah. on quite a long time, so no reason for it. When you watch it, you're going, when you finish watching it, you start looking at it. I can't see where you, where you, where you trim all the, you know, the background. It's a long film. There's not a lot of it where you can go, well, that could be cut out. Cut out five, ten seconds here and there. But that, that isn't how these work. It's usually, it's usually at least a, a 15 to 20 second chunk removed and thrown away. But there isn't any sort of 20 second chunks that you can remove and throw away. Unless it's like a, an establishing shot, which if that was a bit of a bit thrown away, it be there. No one Exactly, yeah. No. It, it, it's strange because it is what it is a three-hour film, and yet it's paced very well. Yeah, it is so nice to have. You're thinking, oh, wow, we're going well, and then the intuition comes and I check my phone, it's about two hours later. That's impressive. From start to intermission, it's about the length of a normal film. Yeah. And yet you're going, oh, I wonder what happens next. Because that's when the story kind of starts in that group. Yeah, it is. Because that's when the Agatha Christie mystery comes in. Who poisoned the coffee? Is your MacGuffin mystery to start off getting to the big final act? That's it. It's that kind of. I should add that while we've been recording this podcast, Cineworld have started following me on Twitter. Oh, how nice of them! Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how ironic! I know. <laughs> you should retweet the shit out of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> get us, get us more, get us, get us. Another, another celebrity follower in Cineworld. Well, yeah, here comes Ian. So, did you really not like Ex Machina? No, I did. Actually. I was joking. I did. I watched it again last night. I thought, you know, I watched it though. since January, it's it's still my favourite film. No, of the year. I, 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 I enjoyed it, but it, 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 it would rank the Mad about middle in my uh, films of the, the year. The Man from Uncle is the shit. I really like the Man from Uncle. I really like the Man from Uncle. But, but and, and Ian can attest to this is. I despised all of the trailers from Mount Uncle. Yeah. And only went to well, see it. I despise Henry Cavill, so. Yeah. I went to see it um, because there was something. There was. Do you know that he's a dead in real life? Because I'm sure he is. I have no idea. I just I think it's actually uh, except for that film. Actually, I, I, I know from somebody who uh, worked with him that apparently he's not actually a killer life. He's actually quite a nice guy. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. There's got to be a reason the guy like that keeps being in conversation. Anyway, I'm, I think I'm done on the hate for like, I don't know if you guys uh, have yeah. anything else to say. It's. It's not Tarantino's best. On, all right, then I'll ask a question. Um, oh, no. In sort of off first viewing, where would you put it in your Tarantino um, canon? Slap bang in the middle. Slap bang in the middle. In between I, what? I mean, as much as it's his first one, it's great. I'm not. I, I put. I, I put Kill Bill one and two at the bottom. Yep. Reservoir Dogs. Probably this. Then Death Proof. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Django, Jackie Brown, Glorious Bastard, Top. Andrew? Um, no, the middle is very much the right thing. It's 
it's below it's fourth or fifth basically yeah it, it's below Bastards it's below Death Proof I would say um, I, I think it ranks equal on Jackie I'm Brown I'm going to watch Death Proof again tomorrow sorry I'm going to watch Death Proof again tomorrow yeah, right. how, how does your Tom Tuna um, ranking go uh, Bastards number one at the bottom. Uh, Pass at the top. Okay. I'll go top down. Yeah. Uh, Bastards, then. I'd go top down. Yeah. Thank you very much. Then Kill Bill. Okay. Death Proof. I do like Kill Bill. Which Kill Bill? Uh, but I, I rank them both as one. Oh, so you're going to seven, Phil? Yeah. So, I don't know. Right. Take Phil's. Hey, Phil's. Kill Bill ranks as one, Phil. Uh, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? 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 Death Proof. Lewis Morris, Morris and Django Unchained. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. That's nine. It's Phil. No, as one Phil. As one Phil, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he does. Yeah, That's what we just said. I like you on the same point. Me and Andrew, what we're going to do. Incredible smug mouth. No, he totally does. Sorry. I need to kick him off the podcast. That was hilarious. That was crazy. So, Kill Bill, was it Death Proof after that? Yeah. Well, then Jackie Brown and Hateful Eight are ranked about the same. And then uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Django at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Ian, go on then. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, if we're ranking Kill Bill as a single film, yeah. Yeah. All right. Kill Bill bottom. I'm really annoyed by that. It's, it's fun, it's, it's candy confection, but it's nothing more. I really like Kill Bill Volume 1, but if we're talking about Volume 2, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I so. prefer Volume 2. Uh, yeah, but yeah. overall, it's... Okay. Not, yeah. yeah, Kill Bill... Um, until tomorrow night, definitely. I've got a feeling this might change, though. Um, <laughs> oh, can I just quickly say, Zoe Bell's got much better as an actress over yes. the years. Oh, yeah, she's very lively. In first that, time in this where I didn't find her stilted as fuck. Yeah. I like I like Zoe Bell after seeing um, Death Proof uh, with a Q&A with Tarantino yeah, and Zoe Bell. She's wonderful. You get why he loves her. She's, she's lovely. And because of that... I've, I've always liked so This is the first time I didn't find her stilted. Yeah. Sorry. You yeah, she's a terrible match, but she's wonderful. Kill Bill, Death Proof, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, oh god, HLA. Do you not like Jackie Brown that much? No, I do. That's the thing. No, hate, no, I'm going to switch them. HLA, um, Jackie Brown, then HLA. No, HLA, then Jackie Brown. Pulp Fiction. No. Have I said Django yet? No. Can I start again? Okay. <laughs> 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 Can we rewind? Kill Bill, Death Proof, The Hateful Eight, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction. No. Fuck. Rewind, 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 all the way back to the top. Alright, I've Kill Bill. Kill Bill, Death Proof, Red Stocks, Hateful Eight. 
Paul, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction. What? Django Robastis. Oh, Django Robastis, that's all I've got there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Django Robastis. Okay, right. I should point out that these are all, at the very least, four star films. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's the difficult bit. Other than Billy Wilder, I think Tarantino might be the most consistent director of a certain era. Um, Right, all right. And we get pelters in a second. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. From Louis Sides, regarding that, I don't rank any Tarantino film below four out of five. I fucking love Django, by the way. I just want to say, the last yeah, no, 20 minutes too. of that is a superhero origin film, and it's awesome. If, if you watch Django, I want Prague this. It's up there with The Cobbler. If you watch Django as a Cobbler. superhero origins movie. In terms of superhero origin films in the last 20 minutes. Yes. The Cobbler movie. That would make a great double bill, wouldn't it? Django and The Cobbler. Yeah, yes, it would. Um, Better than Spotlight, I would argue. I like Spotlight a lot. I'm not going to say that. I like Spotlight a lot, but it's no big short, and I enjoyed The Cobbler more. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> Spotlight was fine, it was harmless, it was very well acted, very well made, very measured. There's no all the president's men, it's not a best picture where well, I, I want to get in the mood to punch Mark, come on. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> Bastards. I know my shit. Why? We talk about Bottom. I know a lot of people that have it at their least favourite. Bastards. They're still a four-star film. Um, Kill Bill. Death Proof. Should be higher. Pulp Fiction. Then... No, I don't have my Pulp Fiction. Hateful Eight. Then Pulp Fiction. Actually, wait a minute, no. Hateful Eight probably ranks below Death Proof. So I'll start again. Bastards. Kill Bill. Hateful Eight. Death Proof. Pulp Fiction. Reservoir Dogs. Jackie Brown. Django. What I will say... Django? Okay, okay, but out the... The person who changed my opinion of Django and moved it above Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown was Brad. Because you said about it being a... Um, to, to Ian, about it being a superhero origins movie. And I thought, that sounds like Fox or Bollocks. And then you thought about it. And then for that, I thought... It makes you like Jamie Foxx's performance a lot more as well. It. And then we watched it, and I was like... And, and I watched it and went... And he emerges. The thing is, I didn't like the first time I watched it. It's a moment before that. It's when he gets his own costume, and it's the it's the train on his own costume. It's the building's own costume. For the first time I watched it, I was underwhelmed by Jamie Foxx. When I realised what it was, and I watched it again, I was very impressed. And I think Will Smith would not have done it as well. What I will say, like Glorious Bastards, the reason it's my number one, and I feel I should defend it, is I feel. Tarantino has always been a fantastic writer. No, no, I know, but I'm just defending just against Mark. Tarantino has always been a fantastic writer. You can't fault that. Yeah. I love Pulp Fiction, but I watched it again recently. It's not particularly well made. I mean, the editing is clever, but that's in the script. Inglorious and, and, and Kill Bill is flash, but there's not much substance. Inglorious Bastards is where his ability to actually make a film caught up with and matched his ability to write a script and then I think Django went maybe a bit too far in the other direction and this is maybe back in the other direction but Inglourious Bastards to me is a perfect my major problem with Inglourious Bastards is 
Tarantino, at the point when he made it, it's a fantastic script, it's a fantastic story, it's fantastic made. The issue I wish Adam Sandler had played the Bears in this. I still have with it is it was in that period of Tarantino's career where he was surrounding himself with people who would tell him how wonderful it was, and that but he's still doing that. Look at the fucking cast of the hate play. No, wait. That but uh, but <laughs> that caused him to cast people like Eli Roth. Eli Roth is fine. He's fine. He's terrible. And also, put it this way, as much as Adam Sandler would have been better bear too, more people would have picked issue with it because he was Adam Sandler. But he'd have been better at it, but... Look, it sounds like you're just being a real fucking negative ninny. Wouldn't have stroked his ego as much as Eli Roth would have. It's like, guess who's coming to dinner and your daughter brings in Glorious Bastard, you're like, I don't like you because you're black, even though you're a great fucking guy. The thing is, I love Glorious Bastard. It's still a great film. I think of of, of that year, it was my number three film. There you go. He's my least favourite Tarantino. The thing is, your daughter's boyfriend shot Hitler in the face, and you're knocking him. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I. Hey, I agree with motives. You agree with Hitler's motives? Shocking. I'm not Shocking. sure I want to do a podcast. I did too. Hitler's brought it. I think you should just shot Hitler's No dude involved. I don't know who shot Hitler's brought but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> if you're going to level that accusation at Tarantino, that is way more easily levelable at death proof. No, sorry, while we're no, on this, not. I have one more thing I want to no, talk about, not. actually. How was it why Project with Robert how many Rodriguez men? How many men? They're literally wanking each other off onto the screen. Yeah. Desperate. Sorry. Women can be yes men too. Oh no 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 no! no. He said yes men. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes uh, people. Though. Can we very quickly? Famous phrase. As presentation is such a big thing of this film, can we point out the exclusion? I want to see what your thoughts are on this. Of Robert Richardson from the ASC and BAFTA nominations. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Why? Yeah. Do you think that that's wrong or right? Do you think he should have been nominated? Yeah, he should yeah. Can I have a quick look at who the nominees were again? Oh God, are you going to say look at all these ones? These no, were. No, I'm just. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel Did about it. Did the Danish girl get nominated? No, and I love Danny. But Danny had five. I've worked with him a lot. I've fired. He's done five films this year. Can he shoot the king's speech? Yes. But Danny, what do you find about Danny? What do you find about? No, 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 no. Hold on. What do you find about Danny? It looks like he was shot through a goldfish bowl. What you'll find about Danny? Is what other films are shooting this year? This year, five films: X and Y, London Road, The Program, The Danish Girl, and Rush. So he didn't shoot that uh, King's Speech? That was in 2010, this year. Uh-huh. Not five films this year. Oh, King's Speech was made five years ago. Oh, how um, rude. The yeah. framing is... But Danny, unlike a director like Emmanuel Lubetsky, whoever he works with, Emmanuel Lubetsky, Chivo, makes an Emmanuel Lubetsky-looking film for that director. Danny Cohen is adaptable. Danny Cohen will make a film that fits the whims of the director. You look at Name is King's Speech and this, 
And those are Tom Hooper films. You look at other Danny films, you look at Florence and the programme, the Frears films, they don't look like that. And I maintain that that's an issue with Tom. Danny does what he's told to do very well. You've convinced me there. That's fine. And I believe that... Get those bloody nominations anyway. Jesus. I believe that Danny's work in Rook is the best he's done all year, maybe of his career. I think to shoot that... Well, that's funny because Ian, Ian was talking about Rube earlier and mentioned the cinematography exclusively when he was talking about Rube's, like, the, the way that film is shot, it means so much for Matt. It's a shame we're not here on Monday. We're brought you to the grave. You could have hung out with Danny at a pipe. I love Danny, but he's, you know, he's as good as the director he's working with, and that's not a knock. There are a lot of DOPs. Can you tell him, can you genuinely tell him, please, that it's the first time cinematography has almost made me cry? I'll play this thing. I love Danny, but the thing about Danny is he, like, if Dan, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking Roger Deakins, but if Danny was doing a Blade Runner sequel, and they said copy Blade Runner, he'd copy it. Exactly. And that's what he does really, really well. He can do what he's told to do. Yeah. And that, that's two... Anyway, the ASC nominations this year were... What you said was BAFTA? No, but ASC and BAFTA. Oh, right. So the ASC was Roger Deakins for Sicario. Yeah. Janusz Kaminski for Bridge of Spies. Ed Luckman for Carol. Emmanuel Lubetsky for The Revenant. And John Seal for Mad Max Fury Road. The only one of those... What? The only one of those I have a problem with is Bridge of Spies. Me too. The only one I have a problem with is... It, is Carol but before anyone starts fucking attacking me I didn't dislike Carol I just don't think it, 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 it's no, as good a cinematography film as the film we just watched no the cinematography in yeah no, cinematography in Carol brought me to tears just by sheer action and framing it, 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 it is lovely yeah. I also think we, I, I told you we had to fucking discuss Carol before we end the drink. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't want to get into the merits of those films, but I mean, Bridge of Spies has a sequence, the one where he's being chased by the FBI agent in the rain, that is up there with some of Janusz's best work, but the film as a whole doesn't stand out for me. I would replace Janusz with Robert Richardson. Yeah, I haven't seen Bridge of Spies, so I, I, will, I will agree with that. I, I watched Bridge of Spies the other day. Based on the loop there is nothing in that film that is a normal Janusz Kaminski... Glossy, yeah, and, and uh, it doesn't have nearly as much of an effect as Robert Richardson does. So, yeah, and I think there was some interesting framing in this, but I also don't think it's Robert Richardson's best work. I think. And I do think the gimmick's working against him. The people are actually not voting for him because they think it's just a gimmick. So out of those, who would you give it to? What? Out of those, who would you give it to? Out of those, out of those adding from Richard into it, who would you give it to? I, I, I wouldn't give it to Mad Max Fury Road because I think it's as much a part of the visual effects supervisor as much as the cinema. Yeah, well, I imagine he was in there for the great visual effects, not anyone else, but I have those. Sorry, sorry. I imagine he was probably in there. Like in the grade, in the visual effects, and it's his decisions. But anyway, look, I would love to give it to Ed Lockman for Carol, but as cliche as it is, Lubetsky knocked it out of the fucking park at the Revenant. He did things I haven't seen before. You know, I, 
I, I kind of want to see him do something that doesn't look like all his other films, but it was incredible. If I was giving it, it would be Animalese, The Son of Saul, or It Follows, which I know you don't enjoy, but those are three films. It Follows like shit. It looks good. It looks like shit. I disagree. It Follows in cinematography made me so happy. I don't like shit. Oh, I want to get a list of the BAFTAs, though. Here we go. Um, that's, that's not a discussion we need to have. I'm not just looking through I, I genuinely do think like shit top five disappointments will have our chance but disappointments just because of what people are saying but I, I, I but I do think Robert Richardson might be slightly overlooked but it is a strong year for cinematography and this is a guy who bear in mind Robert Richardson has what 12 ACS nominations and no wins but has three Oscar wins whereas Roger Deakins has three ACS wins and no Oscar wins at all well he'd be he'd be my he'd be my choice for the Oscars I, I think Sicario is, is, is well, an incredible I'm film. biased because my friend Joe edited Sicario but I really want Sicario to get an editing nomination because I think Joe did a fantastic job he got a nomination for 12 Years a Slave as well it's not like he's unrewarded but Joe yeah I did life in a day with him yeah. which he deserved a fucking Oscar yeah, that's like, right, yeah. Amy is not a good documentary but it's a fantastically edited one it's but I believe that the um, yeah, toilet. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what you Sorry, what was all that? This. What? <laughs> Were you looking at your phone? So, yeah, no, the, the, BAFTA, the BAFTA nominations. Anyway, Sicario's gorgeous and beautifully yeah. edited. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the BAFTA yes. nominations. Yeah, you just passed it. They're the same. Same nominations. No, no, yeah, the exact same nominations. Okay. So, the question I want to ask, Mark, so when you get back, yeah. the question I'm asking is why do we think Roger, Robert Richardson didn't get nominated? They forgot. Okay. Uh, I think it's because it was too late for a lot of uh, people to actually watch that. Like, I, I would have a quote, to be honest. That's confounding. When did screeners go out today? Late. Yeah. But that didn't stop the Revenant. They went out the same time, pretty much like a week before. The thing is, it's cheaper. Yeah. But Robert Richardson has three Oscars from the Academy as well. But it's, it's like Chibo is the oh he's so hot right now. You know what? I have yeah, this is a complete true. conspiracy theory. I believe is that the especially since they opened it up to a wider pool. Hateful acts of film of interiors and people don't understand that cinematography isn't just wide beautiful imagery. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Carol's interior, but it's beautiful, it's pretty, it's colourful. Images of Carol that I remember are the outside images. Yes, exactly. What I'm getting at is there's a fundamental misunderstanding of both of these awards that cinematography is purely an external thing. I'm really enjoying this. I'm sorry, I just want to say I'm really enjoying this. Your company, awesome. Thank you, guys. Anyway, sorry, continue. you know, hate places film of interiors. Yeah. They don't understand how that's why Rook won't get a nomination even though it deserves it. They don't understand how hard it is to shoot interiors. Right. And it's not it's why Pan's Labyrinth the children meant it was more beautiful. It's why Avatar beat everything that year. They go for what's pretty. Yes. The cinematography is for them. And oh. just to recap for Mark, he's now back from draining his lizard. <laughs> and by the way, I sorry Andrew, what were you saying? I said cinematography for them is essentially art, like a painting. They want to yeah. That. They don't understand how cinematography tells the story, how the framing of characters, how their face looks, and there was some stuff in this Hateful Eight that blew me away and how they were framing those close-ups. Yeah. 
Bruce Dern especially, but I believe it's not getting nominated because interior cinematography is not taken seriously enough. If I could give I it, I'd that. give it to I'd give it to Rook. I give it to Rook. Yeah. No. Yes. I, Annalise, the son of Saul, it follows Rook. But Rook would be one of my five nominees. Out of those, Revenant is the only probably one I'd nominate yeah. out of the five. And I love Sicario and Carol, but it's a good year. Cinematography gets better every year. The more you enter a world where anyone who wants to make a film can make a film, I mean, cinematography's going to get better and better every year. Yeah. Robbie Ryan needs to get a nomination one day. His slow west work was fantastic. Oh, gorgeous. I actually didn't like the film much shoot, but the cinematography was gorgeous. And his cinematography in Catch Me Daddy. Have you seen Catch Me Daddy? Have you seen Catch Me Daddy? Have you seen Catch Me Daddy? Watch Catch Me Daddy. I think it's a three and a half, four star film. But he worked on a budget that was like 250 grand. That makes sense. And there's limitations there. Some of it's a bit, it doesn't work, but he uses those limitations to tell that story incredibly well. I think it might be Robbie's best work. And I've worked with it on Philomena. Can, can I go tangent claps? Sorry, yeah. Slightly. Yeah. Slightly. Slow West. Everybody see it? Yeah. yeah. Right. What do you think the reasons are for that aspect? I don't know. What was it again? It was, was like... Slightly no, it was one point six. Was it one point six? Was it that No idea. But do you want me to email Robbie and ask him? My theory, yes, please. My theory. Actually, he's DJing at my birthday party. You need to come and send him When's your birthday? Now it'll be in June. It's my thirtieth, my dad's seventieth, and my mum's birthday of indiscriminate age, and their thirtieth wedding anniversary. Oh, West is DJing your birthday party. He has a party every few months at the old St. John's. DJ, DJ rap night as well. But in mind, it's this is the cinematographer who shot the film, who shot the uh, one of the beta bands members yeah. debut film. You're all going to get not invited. Don't worry. It's, okay. it's called Porta Palooza. Port, that sounds fucking amazing. It'll be June or July. I'm really. I'm going to send invites out by the end of the month. Seriously, you've got lots of time. Oh, stupid. Um, my my theory on it. It's just that film is already very off kilter, like the, the mix of accents uh, and just the, the kind of the, the weird shit. That I'm going to email Robbie now while we're talking about it. My theory is that that aspect ratio is to further enhance the slightly not normal feel. So it's totally heightened. Yeah. They've changed it to the point that you're not expecting. Something you're not expecting. Yeah, just, just to heighten that something's not quite right. Yeah, okay. That's that's my theory on it and I think it's that it's using that to tell to enhance the story well that does track because when I was watching it I was thinking okay we're just going to watch um, an indie western film it's going to be something quite quiet and obviously it's kind of zany and strange and you never quite get a well, right handle on it in the best way Almond the slow west isn't a western in any way at all uh, we're going to talk about slow west later on but no no yeah, if you want it like, feel free and that's not a criticism of the film but I do think it, it, it's, it's a film that's set in the West I think it's about it we're going to be really drunk by the time we get to our list I know it's going to be amazing oh, I know right. it's going to be a mess it's going to be like five hours long this thing isn't it well, maybe we do, maybe we do oh, this so is one part of the show we and then the shot what is it the, the review show is another show nah no, just stick it all out <laughs> I'm editing it motherfucker yeah, you it's fucking you, man, but fuck. <laughs> We've got to listen to a lot of crap to get to our best of. 
Boring question, I know, but I have to ask. You don't have to ask him. <laughs> He's actually emailing him as well. Give him my theory. I want to know if I'm right. This is exciting. Bloody hell, we've been recording for well over an hour and a half. I know. No waffle. Uh, does it kind of feel like we're done? I would say we are descending into you know that thing where people go the problem with British podcast is it's just a bunch of people chatting well fuck you what's, what's your reason again right I think that the it, it's uh, it's to complement the off kilter nature of the film as a whole like the the differing accents and the kind of the fact that it's there is a through line but it's kind of made up of scenes of random shit and I think that, that the framing is just to get people used to the this isn't your does that sound sensible? I feel like that and the, and the general mood of the film, I suppose. Right, I'm going to try, try and remember if we get a response over the next week. Well, to, uh, yeah, nice one, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read out what he said. So uh, that'll be interesting. So, uh, what else would you guys want to talk about tonight? Are you done? Oh no, we, 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 we've got our entire end of year show. So, hold on, so what are you doing in your end of year show? Top you... ten, bottom ten, top five surprises, top five. Can I rattle through my answer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can I have to leave in twenty minutes? No, I love it. No, absolutely. I'm bring up my letterbox yeah. account to help me. And you can all shout at me and I can go home I'd love to stay all night uh, two listeners but I uh, we get about a hundred listeners do you mean you listen I'm sure they don't just listen to it over and over again <laughs> I, I, I have four no, they have to download it where? Uh, I have four I, don't, I never I've never listened to it I have I have four different Thursday birthday parties to go to do you know why I don't listen I really like you you keep on apologising for tangents I really like you I'm just saying you keep apologising for tangents I always feel like your skin's like scared Whenever I meet you in the street, I thought you always sort of look like. It's like, yeah, no, that's a face. I know that. I follow you, and I know the name, and suddenly. But in the moment, who are you? Whenever I see you, you're always like. I want to be your friend. Hug me, please. Uh, hold on. So I showed you the dog one time. That was the freaky part. I don't like, I don't like animals. Uh, I was with Tracy's dog. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, 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 the my dog Staffordshire Terrier. This is a border collie. Yeah. Anyway, so you tell me what are your questions for the end of year show? We're going to rattle through. We have a top ten. Generally, guys, because to be fair, I think we should get some food in a bit. Andrew, do you want to join us for food? I would love food. You might pause it and do yeah. the rest yeah. later. Sorry. Tell me you're saying pause it and do the rest later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can I rattle through mine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course you can. So what questions are you asking me for your end of year show? So, I mean, for Andrew as well, I mean, like, the surprise... He's with you, isn't he? It's a bit probably, probably not recording. We'll probably, like, go off. What do you want me to start with? Fucking just surprises and disappointments. Pro- 
<laughs> top okay. five surprises, top five disappointments. I'll start with my disappointments. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go from my least of 2015 list, but I'll just do the disappointments. Yeah. Uh, so High Rise doesn't count, so I knew I was going to hate it. And bear in mind, I count anything I've seen this year. Yeah, I fucking hated that, it. That's fun. Don't grow up. When you guys get to see Don't Grow Up, I want you all to see it, so you can hate it just as much as you see that. So it's other disappointments. Um, okay, so... No, just rattle through your bottom ten. My bottom ten films of the year. American Sniper. Woo! The Gunman. Oh. Taken Three. Legend, which yeah. felt like an ITV drama with now let's call the... That's, that's what we call the 60s, pressed on the... That music supervisor was overpaid. Yeah. And it's fucking working title. I can't really say this, but fuck them. It's like, you know Wizard of Oz, right? When you're at film school, you believe that working title, the great white hope of British cinema. Yes, absolutely. Actually, it's the fucking guy pulling the strings behind the fucking curtain and Bevan's head is there on the fucking curtain. Anyway, uh, The Visit... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan yeah. uh, Spectre number 5 nope. which I'm not getting into nope. Everly with Samuel with Salma Hayek and then my what I call Everly was shit what, I call, was my, shit. what yeah. I call my vile rape duo of the year Corpse of Anna Fritz and High Rise and then uh, Don't Grow Up which is the worst film anyone will ever see in their life and somehow was a world premiere on a film festival but if we're going actual disappointments out of this 20 I would say Pan because Joe Wright I love and that was just a mess okay uh, Jupiter Ascending because I always like to be the Wachowskis actually know what they're doing deep they down Black Hat Black Hat's also one of my favourite films though it's on both lists um in terms of disappointments, ones I thought were going to be good and actually weren't. Uh, Child 44, because you don't fuck that cast up. I mean, what sure. a cast. I completely didn't watch that because of the word. Yeah. But it's like, I'm going to watch Legend, I'm watch, I'm Legend watch it. No. again, poor Tom Hardy yeah. and Spectre, which was after Skyfall, which is a high point. What's that one? Is that what I like Skyfall. Oh, that's, uh, that's Terminator Genesis. Oh, right. Uh, but I knew it was going to be shit. The disappointment, Spectre, Skyfall was that bottom high point. Surprises. Those are my worst films. Least favourite films of the year. Surprises them. Shit, really? I'm going to watch that tomorrow. What? Pan. Yeah, yeah. What your surprises My surprise of the year, I've got to go to my favourite list. Is, is it that and then favourites? Is that the two? Yeah, you can do uh, surprises. There's no other question after them. Nope. Okay. So surprises, then favourite films. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So assuming that I count films I saw at festivals and other things as well, Absolutely. after screenings and everything else. It's really supposed to be... Anything you've, anything you've seen yeah. do you want me to keep it to films that had a UK release in no. the BAFTA no, you know what? Okay, no anything you saw in that market okay surprises films that I expected to you know that I was surprised at how much I loved okay yep hold on bear with me did you expect Sisters to be your 18th Okay, my 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 five surprises with a special mention to Dope, which I really fucking love. Is that alright? Because I've got a lot yeah, of but, the end. but the first anyway, my five biggest surprises, things that I weren't expecting to be great that were. 
Beyond the Lights I, I did a nice fucking see which is one of the best uh, if it wasn't for another surprise on this list it would be the best romance I've seen all year so, who's the actress is it Cuckoo Girl about the Raw who I saw in Nell Gwynn recently and stunning okay. um, fuck my, my left box is Beyond the Lights King Jack which is a film I had not heard of it isn't out here until next year but it's a coming of age film at the London Film Festival and I saw one still of it and thought that looks nice the, 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 the face of the boy was so interesting I wanted to see it and it's like David Gordon Green crossed with Richard Linklater and it's beautiful if you see a film King Jack bear in mind Sisters which I saw three times trailer was a poor yeah. And I have laughed harder than any other film what, I've seen. Are you, yeah. I have. Are you a fan of, are you a fan of the, uh, the two leads, though? Well, I like I adore Parks and Recreation. But it's not just that. That support cast was through the fucking roof. Renee, Elise Goldsbury, uh, the guy who plays Councilman Jam, what's his name? John Glazer, John Senna, Bobby, Mo- Bobby Moynihan, the only time I've ever found him funny. Diane Weist saying my favourite line this year, I'm cuntingly disappointed. You see, everything you say is making me go I don't anyway I'll watch it anyway I'll watch uh, it yeah. and then Man from Uncle yeah bro yep. and my number one surprise of the year a film which I actually saw in 2014 but also put in my 2015 list because of when it came out and I went to see it because only to my friend was a costume designer and actually what? blew me away to the point that I've seen it five times now and it's on Netflix so you don't have an excuse and if she's winning an Oscar this year it should be for this film it's a testament of you the James Kent film Alicia Vikander yeah, a lot of people seem to swear by that that it's film destroys me and as much as Kit Harrington is a charisma vacuum of an actor <laughs> yes, he even is. that doesn't sink the film mainly spoiler alert he dies 25 minutes into it hey. 40 minutes into it Anyway, please, you might think it sounds horribly boring, but in a a year that American Sniper made 400 and something million worldwide, that a British film, 100 years after the world, you know, the centenary of World War I, a British film about the woman's perspective in World War One disappeared without a blink, without a single BAFTA nomination, is really upsetting. I'll watch it this week. Please watch, I'll it. watch it. This and week. then, because I'm going to rattle through these very quickly. Best Are you doing ten? Yes, ten. best ten, best. My ten favourite films of the year. The best documentary. Listen to me, Marlon. Is number twelve on my favourite films of all. The Lobster's number fifteen. How do you think about that? What? Yeah, my top fifteen. So fuck Lobster, Son of Saul, A Bigger Splash. As you all have to see wait, 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 wait. the lobster yeah. the lobster oh, I think a lot <laughs> I was getting excited and then a bigger sorry a bigger splash very fine should be winning the lobster, the lobster have you seen it that's coming out February 12th watch a bigger splash it's a remake of the piscine the French, uh, Italian film with uh, uh, Robbie Schneider and I'm really excited about the lobster anyway my top 10 Man from Uncle at number 10 a most violent year at number 9 because Boom. I saw it this year Boom. the big short at number 8 which might go higher if I watch it more. The Martian at number seven. Which I will defend the end of the earth because why are you laughing? Wow. Slight spoiler alert for my top ten. 
I said to my wife that The Martian is the ultimate number seven movie in a top ten movie of 2003. Do you know why? I'm going to, do you know why I want to defend The Martian and why I still believe it should win Best okay, Picture? Wait, go on, because I said that, it, that the... I wanted a theory, I can't remember who said it, that said that the seventh track on every album might not be the best song on every album, but it's the most interesting song on every album. Three reasons it deserves to win Best Picture. One, you don't get many star vehicles nowadays, and Matt Damon fucking owns that. That's what a movie star should be. Yep. Second of all, if every now and then a big budget Hollywood film needs to win Best Picture to prove that Hollywood, for the industry and the audience, that big budget Hollywood cinema can still be good yep. and win awards. And third of all, it's a $150 million film where there's no villain and it's about good people doing a good thing to save a good can person I, and fall? it's going to inspire children to can be I, scientists can I a yeah. a fourth would be would any of us here sat down whether it's our top ten or not right feel badly against it winning the best picture no, no. Yeah. I believe that every now and then a film like this like Lord of the Rings like uh, Gladiator which Ridley Scott didn't win for like Titanic like Braveheart every now and then oh, Braveheart's a fucking what? terrible movie Soderberg, yeah every now and then a film like that needs to win best picture to say that Hollywood, yeah, it's not all about the critics it's I about everything what's number six number six Furious 7 yeah. boom yeah good one Number five, as already discussed, Testament of Youth. Number four, Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. Can't fault it. I mean, I, I went back and forth in my top four. Number three, and I'm an apologist for him, but as you know, I'm not a fan of the director, uh, Steve Jobs. This is the first film I've watched where Danny Boyle delivered a third act for me. Under my life, that's ordinary. Sunshine told me to my face they didn't know what they were doing with the third act. I Which is strange because because uh, it appeared that Danny Boyle totally fucking checked out halfway through that film. But I believe that Danny Boyle, knowing talking to a lot of people that worked on it, knowing that Danny had such a tight time limit to make that film, meant that he actually couldn't overthink it and just had to shoot what was written. Knowing I've got to work to the film, and it was also to me that Boyle was concentrating on his next film halfway through it, and then when it didn't happen, All I know got pissed off. As I watched, I went to see Steve Jobs, and I booked tickets to the City Wall in the biggest screen, and it was moved to the smallest screen because Lady in the Van was selling out. Yeah. So me and my dad went to see Lady in the Van the next day, thinking, why not? Oh, it's the City World card, number one. And it was fine. My dad said to me afterwards, how long was that film? It's an hour and 40 minutes. And how long was Steve Jobs? Two hours and three minutes. I'd already seen Steve Jobs. Went, Why is it that Steve Jobs felt like it lasted half an hour and I felt like I spent my whole afternoon watching Lady in the Van? <laughs> anyway. Right. Can I just say as well, the book, it was a mixture of factors. One of them kind of being Donna was pregnant and I couldn't go doing shit. Then you realised the film wasn't worth writing about. You know that's not the fucking reason. In fairness, you know that's not the reason. So, I, I, I will admit, I was worried, I was worried about the 
flat. Like a skinny young Richard Linklater. Yes, he really does. I will say, I will say, I was worried about spending a couple of years of my life on a book just about my favourite film, just to be told. Or do you really believe in it? You should do it. Don't let other people's opinions back. It was a couple of years. My wife was pregnant. Yeah, you bailed. It's fine. Fuck so, no. Fuck off. Oh, right, come on. That's not cool. Yeah, but you could have picked it up again by now. I genuinely could have. It's not like you actually do any work at work. So. Right. I, I hope he's joking. Number two. Yep. Uh, Carol. Because I sat through that whole London Film Festival, and I'm including Bigger Splash, Son of Saul, all these films, and Anomalisa, and didn't cry once until I watched Carol. And when you're watching 37 films in three and a half weeks, when one actually moves you, yeah. it's worth recognition. And I just thought it was beautiful. Number one, I've said it enough, Ex Machina. Since January, that film stuck with me. I watched it again. There are better films out there, maybe, but that film just worked for me. Hey, it it's got my, probably, Adam Driver accepted, God bless Star Wars, has my three favourite young actors in it. And we're the only, Donald Gleeson, Lucia Vikander and Oscar Isaac. Can win. Anyway, that's me, done. That's good. Cool. I need to go for a pee. I need a pee as well. So do I. Do you want to pick this up when you eat? Yeah. Okay. And that'll be That's like a whole episode of the normal show. Bye, Brad. I'm going to talk to you for a bit more, but I don't want to do this anymore. No, I know. Bye, Brad. Bye. See you in a minute, Andrew. See you in a bit. Oh, oh, oh. When you think of me, <laughs> think of scallops. No idea what that means. And that's going to do it for the first part of episode 142. I think I'm getting that right of doing the monkey. Uh, thanks again to uh, Brad Porter at Mr. Bontacode on uh, Twitter. Um, his short film he mentioned there, Og Lang Zine, um, he's put up on Vimeo. And uh, it's, it's worth a watch, uh, despite what he says. And, um, yeah, looking forward to his Denny Minichet short film with him as Santa Claus. That's going to be interesting. And uh, thanks to Andrew as well, at Ethan Runt on uh, Twitter, um, for uh, indulging us, basically. Um, so the next, part, uh, the next part of the show is going to be up in the next few days. We'll uh, contain uh, Mark and I. Uh, it's primarily Mark, just Mark and I, but... Um, uh, there is a bit of Andrew in there as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll be with you in the next few days. And, uh, yeah, I uh, hope you like the show. Um, feedback, always appreciated. Dudeinamonkey at gmail.com, at Dudeinamonkey, at Ian Loring, at DudeFoz. And uh, we'll speak to you in the next few days. Bye-bye. What was that, Lots? <laughs>